When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We know that President Biden likes to cultivate his public image as kindly Uncle Joe, he's often referred to. But apparently behind the scenes, I'm talking about in private, he reportedly has a bit of a temper and unleashes it on his staff. That's according to an article by Axios. Behind closed doors, he's prone to yelling. It's much saltier language. And he'll really angrily grill into his staff to the point that some staffers are actually a bit afraid to meet alone with the president. Really? Sometimes they'll bring in an extra person or two in order so that the firing line is a little bit distributed among several different staffers. There was a story in the New York Times over the weekend about Hunter Biden's daughter in Arkansas. Uh, does the president acknowledge this little girl as his granddaughter? I don't have anything to share from here. For the sake of fairness, that Navy's mom, uh, Hunt, uh, who you know had the in, uh, incident with Hunter that resulted in this incident, they had sex, moron. Uh, she has uh, been caught up in some far right mm-hmm. folks. Lawmakers are returning to Capitol Hill following a two-week-long holiday recess. One hearing will pit FBI Director Christopher Wray against some of his sharpest critics in Congress. Wray is scheduled to testify before the House Judiciary Committee. Several House Republicans have repeatedly accused the Justice Department and the FBI of being politicized against Republicans. Some have even floated impeaching Wray. Nothing is more anti-American that you anti- can't have a job when you come to America. There's nothing more anti-American. Every one of us in this room, family members came from somewhere, and the guiding light of this country is to be able to come here and work. We have a population of 84,000 people that we're saying you cannot work. That's anti-American. I thought it was tomorrow. Well, I swear to God, I said to Justin, I go, I guarantee you Rudy thinks it's tomorrow. So I thought it was tomorrow because I got a late yesterday and I thought it was tomorrow. Well, can you, can you do tomorrow. tomorrow? Can you do tomorrow? Yeah, I'll do tomorrow for well, what, sure. what, what happens if you wake up tomorrow and you think it's tomorrow again? That becomes Thursday. I'm going to have five alarms on at a sign. At a sign, at a sign that says if you don't call, if you, if you don't, if you don't call Sid, I'm gonna beat this.
Now, this is a great song. Christine McVie, Fleetwood Mac, You Make Love and Fun. And I do believe that Christine McVie, who, of course, sang with the band along with the great Stevie Nicks, it's her birthday today, but she won't be celebrating. You know why? She dead. I think she died last year, so. <laughs> That's a good There'll be no birthday it. cake today for Christine McVie. Well, we can have a slice. But we're going to celebrate for it, yeah. We love Christine McVie. Make this louder. You make love and fun. Christine McVie and Fleetwood Mac. Christine McVie be today if she wasn't dead. 1943. So that would make her 57, 80. 80. Wow. Jeez. Those 80s. Yeah. You get a lot of 73 to 78, 80. Yeah. Wow. She died November 30th last year. Yeah, she was one of the greats. One of the greats. You know who else was one of the greats? Rudy Giuliani. So Justin Ellick puts together this really good open every day. It's a really good job. And he includes all the major stories. Mayor Eric Adams butchering the English language is always anti-American, like anti-M, my uncle and auntie. It's anti-genius. But anyway, he's got uh, Adams in there. He's got Joe Biden. He's got uh, Jake Tapper actually saying that he kind of understands why Hunter Biden has pushed away his baby mama because she has friends on the right. Do you believe he said that? He actually said that. Yeah, I kind of get it. You know, she's got friends on the right. If I play this again, Lewis, this is cut number seven, trying to make an argument that Hunter Biden is not a bad guy because his baby mama has friends on the right. For the sake of fairness, that Navy's mom, uh, Hunt, uh, who, you know, had the uh, incident, incident yeah, with Hunter that resulted moron. in this, in this yeah. beautiful child, uh, she has uh, been caught up in some far right you believe, folks. You believe this? It's okay because she's got friends on the far right. You can't make it up. And he calls it an incident. It's called sex, Jake. Try it once in a while, you geek. Incident. So uh, that's in the open. And I forget what else is in there. But at the very end, you hear Rudy Giuliani. So Rudy comes on this show every now and then. And when he does, he's great. In fact, at the risk of sounding arrogant and obnoxious, a lot of the radio talent in this city do their best work here, better than their own shows. I really believe that. So Rudy comes on, and he's great, but a lot of times with Rudy, there's an issue. We'll book him for a certain day, and we'll hear from him one day, two days, sometimes a week later. <laughs> I swear to God. So he was booked for yesterday, and he never called in. And I thought maybe he was mad at me because earlier this week when we did the ad, John Katsimatidis uh, did the ad and Jimmy in the New York Post, and we put out 18 pictures of Sid's quote-unquote friends, Rudy Giuliani wasn't in it. And he sent me and John a text, and he said, I feel left out. So we thought maybe Rudy was really mad about being left out in the Post because he never called in yesterday. But lo and behold, at 9.57, 
with literally three minutes left in the show. We're going home. The phone rings here in the studio, and I can see the name on the phone, and it says Rudy Giuliani. So I pick up the phone cold. I'm about to say goodbye to everybody. And then uh, what you heard at the end of the open is exactly what happened. If you just missed it, here it is again, Lewis. Rudy Giuliani calling into the show at the end of the show yesterday, cut number 15. I thought it was tomorrow. Well, I swear to God, I said to Justin, I go, I guarantee you Rudy thinks it's tomorrow. So I thought it was tomorrow because I got it late yesterday and I thought it was tomorrow. Well, can you, can you do tomorrow. tomorrow? Can you do tomorrow? Yeah, I'll do tomorrow for what, sure. What, what happens if you wake up tomorrow and you think it's tomorrow again? That becomes Thursday. I'm going to have five alarms on and a sign and, and a sign and a sign that says if you don't call if you, if you don't if you don't call Sid I'm going to beat the <laughs> yeah. and he actually cursed so Rudy Giuliani will join us today supposedly at eight forty if he doesn't think it's tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> I've seen that number flash at various points oh, yeah. of the show. Yeah. On different days when right. we don't even talk about them. Sometimes he calls other shows looking for me. I've seen it right at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? Why is he uh, calling now? Uh, <laughs> so we've got a lot of congratulations in order today. First of all, WABC. I'm not sure this has been made official yet, but I believe the, the spring book, which came out yesterday, which again includes the spring months, all I'm going to tell you is, without giving out numbers, what we did to the competition this morning show, and quite frankly, any other news talk, political talk in town, almost illegal. I mean, we almost tripled Sean Hannity. We doubled just about everybody on this station and the opposition. The numbers we get in the morning are astronomical, especially when you consider we live in a town that's mostly blue, blue city, blue state. And to get the numbers we're getting, once again, nothing short of miraculous. And we destroyed it in the spring book. And once again, sitting friends in the morning, number one. But, but, as a station, I believe this is true. I believe it's the first time that every single day part show on this station defeated W-O-R. And John Katsimatidis blew out Sean Hannity. Beat him at every hour. John Katsimatidis had a big 5 o'clock hour. So congratulations to all the talent here at WABC. Excellent spring book. Way to go, guys. Let's keep it going. The summer's rough. People don't listen much during the summer. They're traveling. They're on vacation. They don't want to be bombarded with negative news and politics. So the fall will be huge for us. Kids go back to school, more people listening, more people on the road. But the spring book was a big one for WABC. And once again, sitting friends in the morning, not just number one news talk, number one morning show in that specific demo in New York City. So congrats, Lou and Justin and Noam and all you guys. Congrats. But my son, Gabriel, gets big congratulations today because last night was Gabe's third basketball game of the season. His team, Sandbar, back in action 7 o'clock last night, had a nice rooting section. His beautiful mom, Danielle, was there, his sister, Ava. Ava's going to be live in studio this morning, coming up at 9.30. Once again, I helped out Brian, the coach, 
And Mike Sullivan, the great Mike Sullivan, even stopped by, took some great pictures, and gave me, along with his teammates Luke and Ryan and uh, Trevor, whose father, Ray, thank you very much, sponsors the team, Sandbar, uh, uh, what is it, Sandbar, um, Contractors, and uh, James and, and Billy and Giovanni and all the kids came out big last night, and after losing two games by big scores, Gaby's team got themselves a double-digit win last night, their first win of the season. So there you have it, Lou. Gaby and his basketball team, Sandbar, in the St. Francis League in the win column. Damn. How exciting is that? Bang. He was very excited, Gabriel. Very, very excited. It's a big win. So what are those re- what's the record? One win and two, two losses. losses. Okay. Yeah. So we've got game four coming up, but now we're, we're a good team. You know, not all the kids showed up the first couple of games. This was the first time we had three of our best players together, Ryan, Luke, and uh, Trevor. And you add in Gaby and Giovanni and James and Billy and Nick and the rest of the team, coached by Brian Mullen, his father, Flip Mullen, a legend in Rockaway, assistant coach Sid Rosenberg. We're like Riley and Van Gundy, me and Brian. Every building starts with one brick. That's right. That's exactly right. I read that somewhere. Where was that? Uh, I just wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we got the one brick in there. That's a win last night. So congratulations to Gabriel Sandbar and the whole team on their first win of the new season. Now, in terms of news today, because we got a great, great guest list, I guess we'll start with the mayor, Eric Adams. Adams, during a presser yesterday, was once again talking about the migrants. Anybody else? Is it just me? Anybody else kind of sick and tired of hearing Eric Adams talk about the migrants? I have a solution. Why don't we just shed the sanctuary city title that New York has, get rid of that, and then we can have a legitimate discussion about migrants, why there are 85,000 of them, why they need work when Americans have no work. Why don't we just shed Sanctuary City? Let me go to my news director. Does a great job five to six every morning. Also had a great spring book. My friend Noam Layden. Good morning, Noam. How are you? I'm doing just great. How about you? I'm good. Uh, So what do you think about shedding Sanctuary City? And um, stop listening to the mayor talk about this migrant crisis, which although he thinks he's trying to battle it because he defends people like Joe Biden, he's part of the problem. Uh, well, here's the issue. I don't think it's as easy as just saying, hey, it's done because we are a sanctuary city. Well, let's get rid of that. Well, I think it's not as easy as saying, go hey, to court. Get we'll rid do of try it. Go to court, do something, goddammit. Yeah, even if they do that, Sid, it would be a long process I don't until care. it was shed. I don't care. And It'll pe- show me something. The numbers of people still showing up, we don't cover it as closely as we did in the initial days, but there's still thousands of people coming here on buses from the U.S.-Mexico border. Yeah, I know. It's not, it hasn't stopped. We, we're not, it's, no. you know, first it was 60,000, 80,000. I don't know when it's going to end, but if you go to the Port Authority bus station today, said a bus for sure will roll in from the U.S. Mexico border with migrants. A crew will be waiting to welcome them. And some of them will even be bussed over to these, uh, you know, welcome centers where they'll be get told where they can live, apartments, right. sometimes given phones, sure. sometimes given money. So, uh, it continues. Yeah, he was talking yesterday, the mayor. Thank you for that. How it does continue, and at this point, it's unsustainable. You've heard that word, unsustainable, for the better part of a year. It's been that way for a long time. But here he is again, Mayor Eric Adams, complaining about the migrants. This, uh, Lewis, is cut number eight. 
the storm of migrant asylum seekers have hit us for over a year now. We need help. We need help on the national government. We need help on the state uh, government. Uh, govern- governor has yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, given us uh, some assistance. We need everyone to be on board with this, and we are nowhere near a resolution. Matter of fact, we this is unsustainable. And I know people say, well, it has decreased some. It's just a couple of hundred. No, no. A couple a hundred a week. We need to be clear on that. A couple a hundred a week. We're at full capacity. We're going to have to still come up with ways. We cannot start our day crossing our fingers, hoping we can have enough room for children and families. And it's, it's, it's just unbelievable what's happening to the people of the city of New York uh, that are going through this. So once again, he said national government. He did not say Joe Biden. And then, if you listen very carefully, he said, I need help. The national government, say Biden puts. Then he goes, and the governor, and the governor has helped. So he initially tried to take a shot at Kathy Hochul. Then it occurred to him, oh, my God, she's a Democrat. She's my friend. I got to suck up to the governor. And he took it back. Did you hear that? No, I hope you heard that. He said, I need help from the national government. Didn't say Biden. Then he goes, and the governor, who's doing a good job. How does that make any sense? Play that again. Cut number eight. Noam listened carefully how he can't even give the governor some criticism. He had to take it back. The storm of migrant asylum seekers have hit us for over a year now. We need help. We need help on the national government. National. We need help on the state uh, government. Uh, govern- governor has uh, given us uh, some assistance. I'll stop it we right there. So we need be- help on the state. But then he talks about how the governor... Then he goes, but the governor has given us assistance. You see the issue here? You not see it, Noam? I do. Well, uh, you know, the the issue is is we're paying for it all, New Yorkers. Right. So the shared responsibility should be he should call President Biden by his name and say that the feds need to pitch in the money because they're the reason the migrants are coming here. Exactly. The policy at the border is not so great. Exactly right. So then he goes on, uh, is the word anti or anti? When you're against something, Noam, is it anti or anti? You know, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Anti M is anti. Right? Uncle Frank, anti M. Anti is when you're against something. It's a regionalism, but yes, anti is right. Right, you anti up when you're playing poker. You anti up. It's not anti. No. Okay. Eric Adams Cut number nine, talking about being anti-American. Cut number nine. Nothing is more anti-American what does that, that mean? you can't have a job when you come to I America. Mean, There's nothing more anti-American. Again, Every anti. one of us in this room, family members came from somewhere, and the guiding light of this country is to be able to come here and work. We have a what population... Of 84,000 people that we're saying you cannot work. That's anti-American. Anti-American, that's right. So anyway, uh, that is Eric Adams on the migrants and uh, very anti-American. You know, uh, I played the cut at Jake Tapper when he said basically that I get it. I understand why Hunter Biden distances himself from his baby mother because she's got friends on the right. That's how sick and twisted these people are. So my friend Kellyanne Conway, who I hope to God still turns out to be Donald Trump's campaign manager, she was on Fox 
talking specifically about Joe Biden's forgotten granddaughter. And she made this point about Bidenomics. This Lewis, Kellyanne Conway, cut number six. Joe Biden somehow thinks he has to put his name on his failed economic policies, Bidenomics, but won't put a name on his granddaughter. Uh, I think I think she is much better than his failed economy to be bearing the Biden name. How about that? All right, we got a big guest list to come your way today on this hump day Wednesday. Jennifer Harrison's going to stop by. Jennifer right now is in a big fight with Chris Cuomo. Sound familiar? We'll tell you why coming up at 645. Curtis Sliwa, his daily visit coming up at 705. The great Congressman Peter King, his Wednesday visit moved to 740 this morning. 825, Nuggets with Gnome. 840, Mayor. 3 p.m. Star, Moody Giuliani, maybe. 9.05 from Fox Business, Charlie Gasparino, and live in studio coming up at 9.30, my 19-year-old beautiful daughter, Ava Rosenberg, makes a return visit to sit in Friends in the morning. Once again, happy birthday, Christine McVie, Fleetwood Mac, getting going on a Wednesday morning, the number one show in New York. That's us, sit in Friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77, WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. In the beginning, there was the baby photo. And Naomi showed it to everyone. Then, there was an internet radio show. Then there was Imus. Then came the book. Then came the other book. Then the TV appearances. Ready, camera one. Then the movie. And action. Then the other movie. And action. Then the big TV show. Right on set. Then the magazine photo shoot. Then, according to Nielsen, the number one news talk morning radio show in New York City. And now, it's official. Sid Rosenberg is famous. I'm famous. Famous.
those instances where the song was a lot better than the show. The theme from Greatest American Hero, 629 Wednesday morning. Today's date is July the 12th. And on the cover of today's New York Post, former New York Met pitching star Matt Harvey is right above the Eric Adams story. 87,200 and counting, silent crisis. Adams opens two new mega centers as migrant flood shows, no sign of slowing. And we'll get to those exact locations with the great Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05. But also on the cover is Matt Harvey, and it reads, still got it. A picture of Matt, meet Matt Harvey's stunning new girlfriend. And the whole left side of the New York Post cover is this absolute knockout in a bikini, holding flowers, flower in her ear, beautiful girl. So Matt Harvey can't pitch, but he can certainly screw. That's all right. He's getting the, <laughs> yeah. he's getting the better half of uh, the better the better side of that, you know. Well, that that girl who ended up screwing him for the uh, the Patriots wide receiver was it uh, Julian Edelman? Edelman. She yeah. broke his heart. Yeah, she really ruined him. Yeah. Then he started drinking, doing drugs. He couldn't pitch anymore. And it was all and it was all her fault. It was a mess. It was all her fault. Yes, yes, yes. So the Mets, talking about them, they get back into action coming up. Uh, is it tomorrow or Friday? Friday, right? Friday, Friday. Friday. And are they in Colorado? No, they're hosting the Dodgers. They're hosting the Dodgers. The Yanks are in Colorado. Right. I know the Mets are hosting the Dodgers because on Saturday night at City Field, you're going to get Bill O'Reilly, Sid Rosenberg, Gabriel Rosenberg, and Laura Curran, the four of us going to the Met-Dodger game together, courtesy of Bill O'Reilly. So the Mets and Dodgers... So I asked Joe Beningo, WFAN legend, my former partner on FAN, many, many moons ago, the Mets right now are, what, 18 back of the Braves, seven back in the wild card race, and even more dangerous, seven teams ahead of them. So it looks like on July the 12th, the possibility of the Mets making the playoffs is about zero. But I did ask Joe Beningo that yesterday, here was the great Joe B's response. This, Lewis, Joe Beningo, cut number 11. Is there any reason to believe the Mets can contend in the second half? I, I don't see it. I mean, look, they might contend. They might get close to this, the, the final wild card. I just don't see it, Sid. I mean, you know, they play terrible baseball all year. I mean, they really have. The, Scherzer, let, let's, be, let's start with him. $42 million for him. He stinks. Every time it's a big game, he gives it up. You know, we saw what he did last year in the playoffs against uh, uh, San Diego, that big series against Atlanta at the end of the year. He blew a 4-1 lead to the Braves this year, a 5-1 lead to the Yankees this year. Here we have one of the biggest games of the year. Really, they really – the game on Sunday against San Diego was a huge game. They'd won six in a row. All right, they lost that game Saturday. But if they can win that series and, you, you know, you win seven of eight going into the All-Star break, uh, you know, maybe you got a little momentum – and he, uh, you know, watched the bed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we know what he did to the bed. So the Yankees, look, they're not playing great either, but they're in it. Right now they're just uh, one game back of the Astros and the Blue Jays for that second wild card spot behind the Baltimore Orioles. So they're there, right? I mean, the pitching has been pretty good, even with Radon being hurt most of the year, but they can't hit. And Aaron Judge not being there is a huge deal. So a couple of days ago, the Yanks fired their hitting coach, and Lewis and Justin Ellick, what did I say the very next morning when they fired the hitting coach? Well, you called him a, a scapegoat. You right. basically said they fired him just to fire somebody. Right, exactly right. These guys have been playing baseball since they were six. The idea, and again, I mentioned guys like Charlie Lau and George Brett 
Chris Chambliss. These guys are very good hitting coaches. But the idea that a guy making 10 or $20 million a year needs a hitting coach to be a good player. No, uh, usually when these guys aren't hitting or the team isn't playing well, it goes back to the GM, the man that constructs the lineup. And in the Yankee case, that's Brian Cashman. So another WFAN legend on his own podcast, Mike Francesa, said exactly, almost verbatim, what I said on this show three days ago about the Yankees firing the hitting coach. Here he is, El Popo, Mike Francesa. Really uh, scapegoating the batting uh, coach, making an in season change, which is extremely rare for the Yankees and their coaching staff. But, you know, basically laying the blame somewhere. Their their first half performance, especially since Judge went out, has been so abysmal offensively that they had to do something. They had to blame somebody. But let's be honest, let's put the blame where it belongs, and that is on the people who built the roster, and that starts with Cashman. This roster has been a farce. This lineup has been a farce from the start of the season. You know, they needed left-handed hitting. They didn't go out and get any of any quality. And now since Rizzo has gone into this major, major funk uh, on May 20th, and in his last 38 games, he has been just awful. He's, had, he's hit 150. He's had no homers. He's had 10 RBIs in basically a quarter of the season except for the Saturday performance where he hit the monster home on the left and then hit the foul pole and right. Other than that, Stanton has done absolutely nothing also since Judge has gone down. When they needed their two big other bats, two big bats that you could call 30 home run bats, RBI guys, middle of the order guys, guys who had to carry the team with Judge out, they have both failed miserably. But the Yankees continue to basically thumb their nose at, at any progress. You could throw righties at the Yankees all day long. Why wouldn't you? A righty curveball guy, a guy who can do that, like we saw on Friday night, can mesmerize the Yankees with because he doesn't have to do anything against lefties. There's no lefties that can hurt you. The Yankees used to put up five guys who could hit the ball into the lower deck any time. Now they don't have any with Rizzo being the way he is. So they fired a batting coach. What a joke. Mike Brancessa. So now with the Mets basically out of it and the Yankees holding on to their playoff lives, we start looking towards football. Folks, we're in July. Today's July 12th. The end of this month, the end of this month, NFL teams start their training camps, the Jets and the Giants. And the Jets, of course, go into this season with a ton of expectations bringing in one of the all-time great quarterbacks, Green Bay Packer quarterback Aaron Rodgers. The Jets have not been to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl since 1969. They've come close four times since, losing AFC Championship games with Richard Todd, Vinny Testaverde, and Mark Sanchez. Will Aaron Rodgers be different? I asked the biggest Jet fan of all, once again, FBN legend Joe Beningo, his thoughts on the 2023 New York football Jets. Here's Beningo, cut number 12 on the Jets. You're on record on this show more than once saying you really believe the Jets who open up against the Buffalo Bills 9-11 could be very special this year. Do you still feel that way? Well, it's only two. It's exactly two months until opening night. Uh, the closer we get, the more concerned I am. I'll say that. Why is that? 
I, because I'm a Jet fan. Because I because <laughs> I, I've been conditioned to expect the worst. You know what I mean? And expect the worst. That but you but, but, but nothing has happened. But nothing has happened injury yeah. wise or no, or no no, no, no I understand no. that. They got to win. Look, they got a two-year window to win the Super Bowl. And if they don't win the Super Bowl with this guy, when are they winning? They're never going to win. And 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 if somehow somehow this turns into a disaster, it would be the greatest disaster in the history. Of <laughs> the greatest disaster in the history of sports if the Jets don't win. And finally, for my brethren out there, Pete Morgan, George, all my Giant fans, Giants open up the night before. Jets open 9-11 Monday night in Jersey against the Buffalo Bills. Giants are there the night before, same stadium, a big one against the Dallas Cowboys. They gave Daniel Jones a ton of money. It looks like Saquon Barkley will live with the tag this year. That'll be the end of that. And are the Giants going to be any better? One more, Joe Beningo cut 13 on my New York football Giants. Now that Daniel Jones got the big money for the Giants, what's your expectations for them? My expectations for the Giants is I think they'll be a better team, but maybe the record is not as good. You know, they're playing, you know, they're not going to be surprising anybody this year. You know, they were a playoff team last year. People are going to look at them a lot differently going when they play them. I think it's gotten a little, you know, the schedule certainly more difficult than last year. And I still don't think they're better than, than Philadelphia or Dallas. There you have it. Uh, Joe Beningo on the Giants, the Jets, the Mets, and Mike Francesa on the Yanks. We start a boatload of big-name guests today with Jennifer Harrison coming up next. But it is uh, Wednesday, so before Joe Nolan stops by, it's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. My good buddy, the CEO, Frank Siller, he's going to tell us about one of the fallen first responder families that the foundation recently helped. Good morning, Frank. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Sid. And uh, today I want to tell you, listeners, about one of our fallen first responder families, the family of Nelsonville, Ohio, firefighter Jeffrey Arms. Firefighter Arms was battling a structure fire in 2021 when he realized he was dealing with a low oxygen supply. So what does he do? He removed his tank and his mask, he grabbed his fire hose, and he continued fighting the flames until he collapsed. His fellow firefighters and medics could not revive him. He tragically died that day. Firefighter arms left behind his wife, Leslie, and the two beautiful children. You know, Tunnel to Towers Foundation, we just paid off their mortgage. We're so proud that we did that for this tremendous family, and they paid such a big price for protecting our community. This year alone, Sid, and I know you love this, we're delivering over 200 mortgage-free homes to fallen first responder families, like the Arms family, Gold Star families, and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders. And we're only able to do this great work with the donations that we receive from our sponsors all over country like you, Sid, because I know you do it, and our great listeners at 77WABC. So please go visit T2T.org and donate $11 a month to our nation heroes. Thanks, buddy. Uh, thank you, Frank, as always. As he says, donate just $11 a month. Do it today for America's heroes at T2T.org. That is T2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. The world's best boat boilers. And at long last, the National League is finally loose. Would you mind grabbing the uh, phone there? If you, if you don't mind. The MLB All-Star Game last night. National League finally back on top, snapping a 10-year winless drought in the Midsummer Classic with a 3-2 win last night in Seattle. Yanks A. Scarecrow started the festivities off with one scoreless inning on the bump, while Mets slugger uh, Pete Alonso came off the bench to go over two. 
in two at-bats. It was an eighth-inning two-run jack off the bat of Colorado Rockies catcher Elias Diaz that put the National League ahead for good. Also got him the uh, MVP honors for the night. Our local teams are off for the remainder of the week, but pick up second-half action on Friday for the Yanks. They'll get going in Colorado against those aforementioned Rockies, while uh, the Mets will begin their second half at home against the L.A. Dodgers. Also out of the MLB yesterday, reports are that the MLBPA would like the league uh, to soften the pitch timer rule as the 2023 season approaches the playoffs. But Commissioner Rob Manfred is leaning toward uh, keeping the current one in place. Players aren't suggesting getting rid of the clock entirely, just tweaking it enough to provide some extra time, especially in those high-leverage late-season and postseason moments. And Wimbledon uh, quarterfinals today. We've got an American in action to, or this morning, 9.15, just in a couple hours. Uh, Daniil Medvedev, uh, the third-ranked player in the world, will go up against uh, Christopher Eubanks, our American hero trying to uh, advance into the uh, semifinals. And finally, some good NHL offseason news for Rangers fans. Blue Shirts agreed yesterday to a two-year extension for defenseman Keandre Miller. Overrated. Keandre Miller? Yeah, I agree with you. So overrated, my God. But it's a two-year deal. What's the, what's the problem? So if, he, you, if he was white, he'd be uh, forgot, He'd be cut. Okay, maybe. But he's a, he's, a, he's a good player. He's black. He's a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Overrated. I'll take him. Okay. I'll take him. Yeah. I'll take him. Take him. Yeah. You could have him. <laughs> take him. I can't. I can't think of overrated. Not not at all. He's good. For the price we got him at, I can't really think of uh, better options. But hey, that's uh, Kendrick Miller. Another two years in a blue shirt. Here was sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PaveinTankless.com. Find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Someone new to talk to. Oh, yeah, alright. I'm feeling kind of lonely too, if you don't mind. Can I sit down here beside you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alright. Alright. If I seem to come on too strong, I hope that you will understand. Say these things cause I'd like to know if you're as lonely as I am And if you'd mind sharing the night together Sharing the night together Finally got my doctor hook out of Lou Rufino sharing the night together So you may remember back on January 29th of this year Our dear friend Cindy Adams Who hosts a very, very highly rated Saturday or Sunday show, I forget. She's on the weekend, I know that. And I love her show. In fact, uh, Kevin Drosh replayed my interview with Cindy two weeks ago, from like months ago, and I did hear that. So I call Cindy, I go, you know, this uh, Chris Cuomo, this idiot, uh, the brother, of course, of the most corrupt and failed and murderous governor, Andrew Cuomo, he wants to fight me. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, here are the texts. And, Justin, you remember you collected all those texts? He must have texted me for how long? About a week? Yeah, it was a while. About a week, yeah. There was a couple different instances. Yes. So the title of the column was, Chris Cuomo wants to fight radio host Sid Rosenberg in charity boxing match. He went as far to say, ask your boss, John Katzmatidis, for a million dollars, a million dollars, and we'll fight for charity. And I said... You really are a sick person. 
You're sick. Get help. Seriously. So it turns out that another one of my friends is going through something like that now. <laughs> A full day of back and forth texts yesterday. She happens to be the executive director of the Victims' Rights Reform Council. She's been on this show many, many times. She does great work out on Long Island and nationally. She was part of that Jim Jordan conference here in New York a couple of months ago, going after Alvin Bragg and all the losers here. She's my friend Jennifer Harrison. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. So uh, you sent me a bunch of texts in this back and forth with Cuomo. It doesn't surprise me because, again, I went through the same thing. What um, what was the catalyst uh, with this, you and Cuomo, and where are you guys right now? Well, you, you know that I have a lot of issues with Andrew Cuomo because of, you know, the victims' rights issues. He was, the you know, he basically forced bail reform into our state, which has been disastrous. Over 305 people are dead because of it. Um, and then I have another issue with him because my both of my my uh, two of my family members, my great my step grandmother and her sister, both died in nursing homes two days apart. So I was a part of that whole whole nursing home victim accountability and justice movement. And then I so, also so now you so now you got you got two different directions for folks that don't well, know. No. Jennifer's uh, boyfriend was murdered murdered years ago. So bail reform makes you sick. And then like Janice Dean. Two of your relatives died from COVID, so you're really angry with the former governor over two different stories. Well, I also, we have three strikes. I also was in the hospitality industry during COVID as a single mother um, and lost my job because of Cuomo's, Andrew Cuomo's tyrannical mandates and fought very hard against them. Um, so here's my issue with Chris is that, you know, we're watching CNN and 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 we we saw all the reports of him in his building without the mask on. I saw pictures of him and his friends in Greenport without masks on as other business owners are, are paying $10,000 in fines. I had to raise $35,000 in a private fund for to give kids in the hospitality industry Christmases that year. Um, and he's just a complete hypocrite and a liar. And meanwhile, he's getting out preaching all this nonsense and praising his brother and saying, wear your mask, mask up, brother, you know, with his arrogant attitude. And, uh, and he wasn't, he wasn't doing it. And even when he was supposed to be quarantining, he's, you know, publicizing and, and broadcasting on national TV that he's quarantining in his basement because he has COVID. He went to his other property, was, on on his other property, I forget if it was in East Hampton or South Hampton, but the one that he wasn't quarantining in, and and publicly it got caught in a public fight with one of his neighbors. And this right. was, this was the, that was that, that was the everywhere. guy that was the guy on the motorcycle. And of course, don't forget that you know all those nights on CNN when he brought his brother on. And as people were dying in huge numbers, huge numbers, they did that one routine with the big Q-tip, which was really grotesque. Those two were yucking it up on CNN like what was going on in New York was a big comedy. So if you ever hear Andrew or Chris Cuomo act as if they care, go back and watch that segment on CNN where the two of them were hysterical lamping using a large Q-tip on a day where thousands died in New York City. Two hypocrites, two losers, two low lives. Continue. Yeah, they they make me sick, physically ill every time I hear their name. Um, so you know, yesterday 
I guess somebody called him out on it on Twitter, and he he retweeted it and, and basically called everybody that believed that stupid. So of course I had to chime in, and I posted the links, the actual links, Good with you. you know his his fake emergence from the basement, and then the link, you know, a couple of days prior to that of him being you know, on outside on his property and feuding with some guy. And, you know, everybody knows that Chris Cuomo has a temper, that he got into a fight on Shelter Island and and then this, amongst other things. So apparently he wasn't too happy with that. And he actually sent me a private message on Twitter saying that I'm spouting garbage. Yeah, you actually, you actually used the word bullshit. So I saw it. He cursed. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, listen, he, he's so, he's a bully. He's a big mouth. He's a no talent. You know I mean, News Nation he, gave this guy probably a million dollars. I don't get it. Said he he's a complete coward. You know, you invited him on your show, right? You yes. you you gave him every opportunity to address the issues, but you know, he obviously like everything's you know different when you're a keyboard warrior and behind a phone or a computer screen. Um, he's never invited me or Janice Dean on his show. You know, he he's never. He's never had anyone on to discuss these issues in, in public. He won't address them in public. Him and his brother just hide like the cowards and the snakes and the scumbags that they are and the bullies that they are. And so That's for hot. him to DM me a woman, you know, like and try and, and bully me or, or charm me into believing some kind of falsehood is just it's, it's disgusting. And then, you know, I, I texted you late last night at like 10, 15 last night. He, he was still DMing me. And then I woke up this morning. And and he it was going on all night. <laughs> no, he's crazy. He is completely unhinged. I know he's unhinged. Like I said, he wanted to fight me in a ring and a million dollars, and I'm not going to fight this loser. Give him the you know the the exposure that he wants. I don't know how many people watch his TV show. I know Bill O'Reilly, my dear friend, goes on there once a week, and he gets decent numbers. But nobody watches News Nation. Nobody. No, nobody cares. No, nobody and cares. He, he, he said, I'm not helping any real victims by spreading fake news. Oh, really? So I actually, no. yeah, that is verbatim. So I actually said to him, that was like at oh, 11.42 p.m. Uh, I said this morning when I woke up, I help real victims every day. So you tell yourself whatever you need to sleep at night, which obviously you have problems with. Now, if you want to talk about this on your show, have families of nursing home victims and restaurant owners or workers who had to pay fines while you broke the rules in Greenport and your building, um, or go on Sid's show, that's fine. But then we can have a discussion. Bring your brother, too. But do not DM me anymore with this nonsense. Have yeah. a great day, brother. Even and his I also, brother. I also said, wait, I also said we'll bring the weather. I don't know if I could say it on the air. You can. <laughs> yeah, no, you um, can. But, you know, he, yeah. he's the one that labeled Janicine as that nasty name. Yeah, he called her the weather bitch, I know. Weather so I said, bitch. I said, yeah. we'll bring her, too, yeah. and now yeah. he won't. There's only one bitch in this town. It's you, Chris Cuomo. You're the bitch, not Janicine. <laughs> and I did invite him on and his brother on. And his brother said yes, and less than an hour later texted me back and said, nah, not yet. And not yet for me became never. But. Let me get back to that big conference. You were with Jim Jordan, one of the great congressmen in this country, senator, I should say, out of the uh, state of Ohio. And he came to New York, and you were there, and you had uh, Jose Alba, the, the bodega owner. You had uh, Borgen's father, the Jewish guy who got beat up in the street, your friend who lost her son to murder. And you all sat there and talked about all these horrible crimes as family members you've had to endure, and how Alvin Bragg basically doesn't care. He is more interested in putting Donald Trump in jail than keeping dangerous killers 
off the streets. Where are you with that battle? Um, well, we're we're fighting for a federal and um, also statewide uh, legislative victims bill of rights that would be enforceable because right now it's only like uh, orders from the DOJ or the attorney generals. Um, so we're fighting for that. And I also, like you mentioned, just became the executive director of the Victims Rights Reform Council, victimsrightsreformcouncil.org, um, where we support all victims, victims of violent crime, survivors of homicide victims, domestic violence, elder abuse, sexual assault, death by deal- dealer, sex trafficking. Um, we're in the process of starting a wine label and a clothing line so that we can employ victims that need to rebuild their lives, like kind of like a nine-line apparel. We want to be the nine-line apparel for Victims, And then we also want to eventually be able to house and shelter victims of domestic violence um, in, you know, a home and safe environment, uh, provide transportation so that they could get back and forth to work and really somewhere that they could uh, rebuild, rebuild their lives and not feel like they're in a shelter system. So we have a, I have a lot on, on my plate. Um, we have a lot of big goals and things that we want to achieve and just really help victims across the country because it's not just Alvin Bragg that's doing this. There's a depraved indifference towards human life sweeping amongst all elected officials across the country and if the government isn't going to help us then somebody has to step in and do it oh my god good for you you're a hero i mean that jennifer harrison you went through a a horrible tragedy and you really devoted your whole life to helping people like you get through it to me you're a hero you really are don't fight with cuomo he's a low life he really is it's fun and it makes for good conversation but he's a loser you are a hero thank you this morning keep up the great work we'll talk again very soon thank you Thank you. Jennifer Harrison, folks, right there, victims' rights. And that is a great American. That is a person right there who genuinely cares. you got to love that, folks. One hour in the books. We kick off hour two with the great Curtis Sliwa. But first, let's share the night together. Me and Dr. Hook. Would you like to dance with me and hold me? You know I want to be holding you. Get to know you better. Is there a place where we can go? Where we can be alone together and turn the lights down low and start sharing the night together. Is Sid and friends in the morning from our friends 77 WABC. You are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in the city to live in. Oh, I know a place. That's my man right there. He's saying you're watching an incompetent person. <laughs> I think he meant to say a competent person, but close enough. The headline of today's New York Post, besides Matt Harvey banging some really hot chick, 87,200 and counting, silent crisis. Adams opens two new mega centers as migrant flood shows no sign of slowing. So I was talking to Noam in the first hour, and I said, well, Eric Adams calls out the national government. He never says Joe Biden pussy. 
He also went after Kathy Hochul, then took it back in about one second. He said it may help the mayor if he goes to court or something to shed this sanctuary city nonsense. Can't have it both ways. Cannot be, cannot be a sanctuary city and then bitch about the migrants. You can't have it both ways. So the good news is Curtis Sliwa, who congratulations, got great ratings in the spring book, noon to one, as he does every month, weekdays on this station, overnight uh, as well, the overnight host on the weekends, and does his best work right here, 705 every weekday morning. The good news is Curtis knows the history of quote-unquote sanctuary cities, where it all began, what it's meant to us here in New York. So with that said, here he is, the great Curtis Sliwa. Well, first off, let me give a high five to the guy who drives you to work so many times, Gene. <laughs> Gene. A legal immigrant from Haiti. Uh, I had wrenched my knee this morning trying to avoid avoid stepping on one of our 18 rescue cats. My wife keeps the lights off. The lights are off. So I'm struggling. And in order not to squash one of the cats, I fall <laughs> down, wrench my knee. I got come outside. If I take this subway, I know I'm going to get into a fight. I can barely move. And all of a sudden, I, I hailed down the yellow cab. And who was it? Gee. What are the odds of that? Now, that's happened twice. Yes. Folks, you have to understand, it was a cold winter day about four and a half years ago. And I was living at the time on the Upper West Side, West End Avenue between 104 and 105. I was out there for 20 minutes. Early in the morning, there were no cabs up there. And this guy, Gene, comes along, and then he drove me pretty much every day for the better part of four years. Now I moved to Rockaway. It's a little more difficult because he's a yellow cab. So I was splitting time between him and my buddy Levi. I still see Gene. Still, yes, yes. what are the odds of all the cabs you hail one down in the city and it's my driver? And by the way, a guy who can speak English. Oh, he's great. Understands what you're saying, knows where to go. Of course. And can talk about any subject. And more importantly, what did he have on the radio? Me. WABC. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you weren't me. on yet. Remember, I come early. Oh, you that's right. on yet. Frank Morano. No Laden was oh, on with a 5 o'clock news there wrap go. of who I'm going to co-bus momentarily. Let me tell you, this guy has been driving a cab for 41 years. His daughter is brilliant, went to college abroad. She was in Singapore last month. Legal immigrant. Legal immigrant, I think, lives somewhere near Jamaica, Queens. Yeah, in, in, in South, South Queens. Right? There you go. And is just a wonderful oh, man. The best. The best. The best. So I'm happy to help you out this morning. Yeah, well, I, I, it would have been a struggle. But let me point this out uh, about this whole concept of sanctuary city, sanctuary county, sanctuary states. You know, we think it all of a sudden happened. Think again. The first one was in Berkeley in 1971. Figures. Right. So 1971. So we all follow berserkly, right? <laughs> and declare, oh, because we want to feel good. You know, at the time there were civil wars in El Salvador, civil wars in Nicaragua. We want to be able to provide these refugees, asylum seekers a place so that the evil feds won't swoop in and take them away. Remember, there was no ICE at that time. ICE came about after the attack of 9-11. Why was ICE formed as part of Homeland Security? To protect us from all the illegals coming in who had intents on blowing up America like, obviously, uh, Al-Qaeda utilized those laws. And then those who were overstaying their visas, education visas, work visas, and then disappearing. Great organization. Every day these men and women put on bulletproof vests 
They have guns. They have to go out and get the bad hombres, rapists, drug dealers, gangbangers, because they have a detainer. Because these people have been arrested locally for any number of violations. And the federal government, once it's in the database, because if you get fingerprinted, God only knows I've been fingerprinted so many times, it goes into the <laughs> FBI database. So they'll inform local law enforcement, NYPD. We see that you have this guy, Jose. You know, he's wanted on a number of charges, both here and his country of origin, El Salvador. <laughs> yeah. Keep him there. 48 hours, we're going to come. we got to get a warrant ourselves. Then we're going to take him either downtown of SC Street or Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is the federal detention center, and then move to deport them. So you know what the NYPD has been told going way back to Ed Koch. It didn't just start now. Way back to Ed Koch. You do not cooperate with ICE. State troopers, you do not cooperate with ICE. County chef, you do not cooperate with ICE. So we have Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Vermont are all sanctuary states with sanctuary counties with sanctuary cities. And we've got Peter King coming up at 740 this morning, usually on 840 on Wednesdays. But he actually moved the time today, not uh, Justin Ellick. And uh, you're telling me, based on the conversation I just had with Jennifer Harrison about Chris and Andrew Cuomo, that it was Andrew Cuomo who told the cops out on Long Island not to uh, not to deal with ICE. That which is, of correct. course, how to bother Peter King. Let, let me tell you something. He called ICE thugs, thugs. twice Jeez. when he had his debate with Molinaro, the one debate he allowed Molinaro when he was running for government, with this smirk on his face, that will traditor, that will disgraziare Andrew Idolize Cuomo, son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo. He told the local law enforcement in Suffolk and Nassau, you don't cooperate with those thugs. Thankfully, President Trump came in with Jeff Sessions, the yep. attorney general, yep. with Peter King. They went to the federal courthouse in Central Islip, and they basically told law enforcement, you do what you got to do. Let's lock up these bad hombres and deport them. Thank God for Peter King. I can't believe uh, that I'm saying that. so many look things. Look at you. I mean, you're not that far removed. Well, I, I was working there with the Guardian Angels in Central Islip. And, and I know local law enforcement and basically disregarded Andrew but, Cuomo. But you're not that far removed from wars with Bo Deedle, Peter King, now you guys are basically sleeping together. Absolutely. <laughs> Peter King, he's jumped off the Eric Adams crazy train. Uh, and on this issue of ICE, there's nobody more knowledgeable about it than Peter King, how we have held back ICE, these brave men and women. When's the last time you saw a ceremony honoring ICE? I've never seen it once. When's the last Trump. time you saw an editorial in any newspaper saying, you know, the brave men and women of ICE, every day they risk their lives? Never. And, and that's because we have basically boxed them in and we have made them impotent. And so because of ICE, if we would let them do their job, we could get rid of a lot of these bad hombres. And, and I noticed that Noam Laden said, well, you can't get rid of sanctuary cities and all that. It's not a legal term. It can be challenged. The federal government can challenge it. Trump tried to challenge a gruesome Newsom in California but obviously, he didn't have enough time because it's a long legal process. Right, but there was just a rumor just a couple of weeks ago, right about the time I went to Gracie Mansion with Danielle, my beautiful wife, for the Jewish Heritage Month, that Eric Adams had gone to court to fight the Sanctuary City deal. He did not. But Fabian Levy said to me, that's not true. That he is did. correct. He will defend Sanctuary City to the day we die. And let's be specific here on why. An illegal alien comes in. 
provided all the amenities that even mommy didn't provide you when you were growing up <laughs> by their Papa Chulo, Eric Adams. Is he paying for it? No, we the sucker taxpayers. If they are in one location for 30 days or more, they are now legal residents. Try to get them out of there. Go to tenant landlord court. Knock yourself out. Secondarily, if they get a job, he's pushing for them to get jobs. The next path is to allow them to vote in municipal elections and then state elections, and then the big push eventually is going to be in federal elections. So you're telling me that all this anger, hysteria, upset that Mayor Adams shows us is he's really feigning anger that at the end of the day he knows, like Joe Biden knows, that the more migrants who come here and we treat them well, get them jobs, that means votes? Are you think telling it, me he's feigning it. anger? Think that Sid, years from now, you walk into one of their homes, right? You will see up on the wall, because most of them are Hispanic, they're Central America, South America, the Caribbean. There will be the picture of Jesus, the picture of the Lady of Guadalupe, that's <laughs> yes. the Blessed Mother, yeah. a picture uh, of Joe Biden, and a picture of Eric Adams, and they will tell their children and grandchildren, without their help, what? we could never have come to America. They're going to take down the picture of Roberto Clemente Yes, Eric Adams? He's Puerto Rican. Clemente oh, okay. was yeah, born no in America. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But now, <laughs> this is bad news. You know me, I break news. There are people out there going to be they're going to be blowing up your phone. Curtis is lying. Curtis is lying. 90% of the time I've been right. right? I, I think you're wrong about that. I think I, it's 95%. Right. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, friend or foe. There are some out the caucus at the Bell Rose Jewish Senate. 254-14 Union Turnpike and Floral Park. Right down the block, basically, from where we held our Gravesend red carpet premiere just last Thursday. Oh, it's a lovely area. Not only that, across the street, the Glen Oaks Village Co-op, largest in New York State, 2,900 garden apartments, 134 buildings, 110 acres. Guess what? You are going to be turned into a migrant no, center. No, don't say that. Yes, and I'll tell you what happened. You know, like a lot of synagogues, uh, the community ages out. People move to Boca Raton, or unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. they're dead. Yeah. No, they, they take yeah. a dirt bath. So the congregation says, what do we need this big building for? Let's sell it. So the Koreans come up because they're evangelicals, Pentecostal. We'll give you $3 million. Good deal. A lot of Koreans in that area. They're very religious, very patriotic. I, and by the way, voted for me against Eric Adams. So we applaud that. We love the Koreans. As, uh, your, as opposed to your peeps, the Jews. Oh, well, maybe maybe he'll be a good uh, black mayor, you know, like Dinkins was. Sure he will be. So anyway, the city comes through another buyer and says, we'll give you $5 million for the synagogue. $5 million Hush, hush, mush, mush, and we're going to turn it into a migrant center just for a year. They'll just be there for a year. So what happens to the Jewish people that are left in that synagogue? Well, guess go? what? Go on Zoom, you know, knock oh, yourself out. Come on. Go to Boca Raton. That'll push come them further. Don't, well, don't we have enough people moving to Boynton Beach already? But you see, now the board sits there and they say, wow, the city is being very generous through this this purchaser. They're going to give us five million versus the Korean church, three million. You know what the propensity is. Take the five million because oh, we'll probably be dead within ten right. years. You got to take the oh, money. No. It I'm, stops. I'm not going to. I'm not going to kill them for taking the money. I'm going to kill the city for offering the money. Of course, of course. And you got to say, hey, Rabbi Bovit, 
Rabbi Bolvin, I know you. <laughs> How many times have I gone to meetings and you get up there and you give the prayer and you give the big piece, a big trumper, big trumper, right, waving the Trump flag. But when it comes to the money, what do I always say? Follow the money. Follow. I don't care if you're friend or foe. <laughs> when you sell out your people, your community for the money, you are my enemy. I don't care what your party affiliation. So, Reverend, excuse me. Reverend. Rabbi Bovid, you should take a menorah and impale yourself. No, wait a second. So right now, are you more upset with him than Rabbi Joe Potashnik? Well, no, they're on equal status. Oh, my God. Because uh, Rabbi Joe Potashnik still has not said to the mayor, apologize to that 84-year-old Jewish white woman from the Upper West Side, a Holocaust survivor that you said was a plantation owner with slaves. They got 40 markers, right? Yeah. Jewish Advisory Council, First Eric. Eric Adams loves Jews. Yeah, he loved Farrakhan, too. No, Eric Adams loves Jews. No, Rabbi Joe Potashnik, he loved Farrakhan, too. And you got Guys don't stand up in a minion and say, Eric, we're going to resign unless you apologize to that elderly Jewish woman. And you know what he said, basically? No. I don't apologize to anybody. No, he doubled down on it. Double said, don't talk to me like I'm a slave. You must join me in solidarity. Nancy has done all the deep dive on this. You know (laughs) her as any attorney. I'm in. We got all the information. It's right next to a SNAP center. Nobody cares about the SNAP Center. That's where you go for your food coupons and all that. That's fine. The people there, they're not prejudiced. They're not racist. But you can't let a total of 700 illegal aliens into the Belrose Jewish Center. Again, the address, 254-14 Union Turnpike in the beautiful Floral Park. And all of you residents listening right now having a heart attack in the Glen Oaks Village Co-op, largest in New York State, 2,900 apartments, 134 buildings, 110 acres, gorgeous, right across the street. Guess who just woke you up? Curtis Sliwa. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to moan and groan, and you're going to say, oh, there's nothing we could do. We elected Kathy Quiteway Holcomb. We elected Eric Adams. I campaigned there. You choose. You didn't vote for me. You did what you always do. You voted for the Democrat. So now, this Gentile just blew the horn, right? All of a sudden, I'm alerting all of you what's happening, so don't blame me. Now you have to suffer or stand up with Curtis Lewa and fight for what you know is right. And you tell that rabbi, that Rabbi Bovid and the rest of the board there, do not sell out your community or there'll be a price to pay. in the morning 77 WABC Bill DeBlasio got divorced and now he is real single he's on the apps like Tinder and Bumble ready to Christian mingle Bill DeBlasio creeping on girls they will show no pity he eats his pizza with a knife and fork and ruin New York City
I never complain. I don't even know what color I am at this point. I'm like red and brown and purple, and I don't even know. And I can't get away from the sun. I mean, I could sit indoors on the ferry, but what a waste of time that is. So that's a good 75 minutes of direct sunshine on my base. And then, uh, you know, get back to Rockaway, and they're still working on my house still. Now, I love all those guys. Rich Clift, he's done a terrific job, and Robert, and... um English Jeff and Pedro, and if I'm missing anybody, I apologize. But those guys are doing a great job. The house looks great, but it's not done yet. The kitchen's not done. The island won't be until next week. No uh, shower glass doors yet. But it's uh, predominantly, it's getting there. It's almost done. And it's still a beautiful home, beautiful, and a much nicer place to live than any of the places they had me in Manhattan those two hotels, and then, of course, the apartment in Battery Park. I miss living in Manhattan like I miss a boil on my ass. Those are fun sometimes. Yeah, that's yeah those are fun. You get to pick at them and stuff. But Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I don't miss it. I just don't miss it. You know, big deal for me would be to walk through the mall down there in Battery Park. It's a beautiful mall, Brookfield Plaza, and, you know, walk 18 miles to the 4, the 5, or the 6 to finally get to the gym on 28th and Park. It was just uh, my days were consumed with walking. Now I walk, too, but I walk two blocks to the beach. And John Katsimatidis says it all the time, and he's right. You live by the beach. That beach adds 10 years to your life. Now, where John screws up is he lives in New York City, him and the beautiful Margot, who I love dearly. She knows that. So he only goes to the beach, really, during the summer when he goes to the Hamptons. And I got to tell you, John's age in his 70s, and the amount of success that he's had and the amount of hours he puts in. If I'm John and Margot, I spend a lot less time in New York City, but they can't because they're out every night, every night, whining and dining, and that is all part of John's success. But I always say to Danielle, I'd like to see John on a beach somewhere for a couple of months. He's building this beautiful building in St. Petersburg. I want one of those apartments, by the way. <laughs> and uh, it's a gorgeous building. You should just go there for a couple of months. That West Coast in Florida, Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater, that's the place to be. Derek Jeter lived there. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl there a couple of years ago. If I'm John and Margot, I, I know he's got to meet all these important people every night. It's part of his business. I'm out of here. The Hamptons during the summer, and I find a month or two during the winter and lay my ass on the beach. Because now that I've been home, I realized how much I miss it. And I live down by the water in Battery Park. You're on the water. It's the river. It's not the beach. It's not a bay like Breezy Point, Mike Sullivan, or the ocean. So I got the, you know, the bit of a breeze. I'm on the water, looked out my window. It was very pretty, very pretty. But it's just not the same, man. You know what I'm saying, Lou? You know. I I do know. I found out this weekend that Lou, who lives right next to me and lives um, right by my gym where I work out, the YMCA. So he's, uh, how long are you in this apartment for, in that area? How long now? 
Uh, 15 years. 15 years. Okay. Easily, at least. It's a, it's a lovely building, and I know exactly where Lou lives because he's been driving the WABC van, and I go home from the gym every day, and I see the WABC truck outside the building. <laughs> it's hilarious. Stalking. Yeah. So, cool. no, but it, I am going to start stalking you now because I found out on Friday night that Lou and MJ have a terrace, and Lou, uh, the terrace overlooks the beach, Likes to sit naked and drink beer on his terrace. Yeah, sometimes. Now, why would you do something like that? What? Well, because I, I like the open air. You do? Yeah. Yeah, it feels if good, I right? I the terrace. I don't care. Yeah. 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 Right there. Uh, I don't care. Uh, For me, I have to walk down five stories and sit on my stoop naked. It's my property. Well, you live in the city. Right, and that's right on the street. So Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. Your apartment's gross, too. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine the amount of dirt and like just old scummy stuff. And, oh, God. It's got to be, I mean, it's got to be any 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 uh, health worker or any employee of the city would have to shut that apartment down in minutes, I would imagine, no? you got to have, like, food there from, like, years ago and mm-hmm. cocaine residue. and mm-hmm. He doesn't even try to deny it. No, why would he? <laughs> they know already. He goes, mm-hmm. no, you got it. Right. All right, listen, we got uh, Peter King is coming up. I got a big night with Peter coming up on Friday down at the uh, stadium there where the Brooklyn Cyclones play. You know, I go there twice a year. My good buddy out in New Jersey, Sally, built this beautiful wall, and it's dedicated to every cop, first responder, firefighter who died 9-11, but they have to be from Brooklyn to make the wall, like my buddy Arnie Miscali's brother from Poly Prep. And I go down there every year, September the 10th, for a huge ceremony, the day before 9-11, and then in July every year, they honor the FDNY, last year, Timothy Klein. At this uh, big event. And last year, my son Gabriel threw out the first pitch at the Cyclones game. And then we, all of us afterwards, me, Danielle, Ava, Gabe, Peter, his lovely wife, Rosemary, and uh, my dear friend Melissa Zim all went to Gardulo's for dinner. So that's coming up this Friday night. We'll talk to Peter about that. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Do I like it? The Robert Smith on the Cure, great song, 747, on your hot, I mean hot, like my beautiful wife, Danielle. Hot Wednesday morning, baby. Peter King, I've said this before, along with Rudy, they're both on today. Well, hopefully, unless Rudy thinks it's tomorrow, are the two greatest politicians in my lifetime. For the better part of four decades, Pete distinguished himself as one of the great congressmen in the history of our state, our country. And, of course, Homeland Security and all the great things he did on a national level, too. He's gone on to become a dear friend of the Rosenbergs, a dear friend. We've got a big date coming up on Friday night. Here he is for his Wednesday appearance. Proud to call him a friend, Pete King. Good morning, Peter. Hey, Sid, it's great to be with you. And most important, congratulations to Gabe. That's great that the team won the game. Oh, and also to you, number one, I'd tell you, I really got to be, I really kiss up to you now. You're the man. Yeah, you're like the truest king. <laughs> no, I know. And I'm not going to give out the numbers because it's a very sensitive issue because if you don't say it correctly to the letter, Nielsen seems to get upset. But the number I put up again was just, it was outrageous, Pete. I mean, outrageous. Uh, like I said, doubling almost every show, tripling some of the bigger names. And the reason why is, quite frankly, besides me, are people like you. You come on this show. You're a, people love you. You're a huge name. Uh, you show up uh, when you're supposed to show up. And on Friday night last year, you threw out that first pitch. And I know you're there at least once a year down in Brooklyn at that beautiful wall. Our mutual friend Sal built. Tell the folks. Sal is a great guy. He great is a great guy. guy. Tell the folks about what's going on with us in Brooklyn on Friday night. Yeah, every year they honor you know people from nine eleven, and uh, the wall is there. And this year they're going to honor the FDNY and NYPD chaplains, who really do a great job. And they had, uh, you know, being a chaplain can always be difficult, but especially now since nine eleven, uh, there have been different psychological reactions. People have gone through uh, you know bouts of depression and anxiety, and the chaplains have been there. And I know Curtis likes to take shot at him, shots at him, but uh, Rabbi Patasnik does a great job. Uh, you know, Rabbi. Uh, uh, Monsignor Romano, we can go through the list. I mean, they, they do a terrific job, and, you know, they're being honored, and, uh, you know, really justifiably so. Curtis actually stuck up you in a big way this morning and gave you credit because, I don't know if you heard, but uh, I think you did. Jen Harrison called in in the 6 o'clock hour, and, yeah, yeah you heard it. She, you know, the Mrs. Uh, Victor, Miss Victims right there, and uh, she was talking about her back-and-forth Twitter conversation with that idiot Chris Cuomo when Andrew's name came up, and Curtis said, you know, Pete King... He, you know, he really did a great thing for Long Island because when Andrew Cuomo was calling ice guys thugs and telling cops on Long Island, don't deal with those guys, the cops decided, screw you, basically, we're going to do it on our own. And you were the guy, Pete King, I guess. That was a pretty big part of that. Is that true? Yeah, I, I was working actually with the uh, uh, then police commissioner in Suffolk County, Tim Seney, and escort commissioner, Pat Ryder. And uh, I went to the White House and the Justice Department. And President Trump come in twice, which is really unusual. He'll come in twice for non-political reasons. There was no fundraising going on. It was strictly to really keep the war going strong against MS-13. And he dramatically increased the number of ICE agents, Homeland Security, uh, U.S. attorneys uh, to uh, prosecute cases out there in the courthouse. And he also gave tremendous amounts of equipment, technology, to the Suffolk County and Nestor County police to really crack down on uh, – MS-13, probably the main thing he did above all, apart from, uh, you know, the actual practicalities, he sent the word to the federal establishment that it was priority number one to get MS-13. It really put the fear of God into them. We had had 25 murders in 18 months before President Trump got involved. As far as I know, and I've tried to follow this carefully, since then, in that area, 
there has not been one MS-13 murder. And uh, again, they're in jail. They're on the run. They're hiding out. They can still be there, but they're underground right now. We have to keep them underground. If they do put their heads up, grab them right away. But that you know, tremendous credit there goes to President Trump for going in there. I was proud to be with him. I mean, coming in on Air Force One, we went right to the uh, belly of the beast, uh, in the, right out there in the heart of MS-13 area of Brentwood. Then we went to uh, the next year to the Morelli Institute in Nassau County, just making it clear that, again, he was going to do all he could, get the full resources of the federal government to crush MS-13. And working with the Suffolk County Police, Nassau County Police, ICE, uh, again, HHS, all of them just did a tremendous job. And I remember that State of the Union address, maybe his first, when he had the families uh, of people who were murdered by MS-13 victims. So while we're giving President Trump his deserved and due credit for doing that, the conversation really started with the former governor who uh, was calling ICE agents thugs. So we, we got to give the credit to President Trump. Certainly no credit goes to the former governor. Is that fair? Yeah, it is, because, again, whether it was uh, Governor Cuomo, whether it was de Blasio, I mean, they were just on constantly attacking ICE. ICE was doing God's work. They were in there. And also Homeland Security itself. Uh, they were they're doing a tremendous job uh, go, trying to trying to do a good job. And yet whenever they did it, they were being uh, downgraded by, by the governor, by, by the mayor. And that's all changed now. Uh, again, President Trump got it started. Also, there's a great sheriff in the— Suffolk County, Errol Toulon, a Democrat who actually uh, works so closely with the Homeland Security. And, of course, we have that Nassau County. So, no, and the uh, new DA in Suffolk County, Ray Tierney, is doing a great job. I mean, so they're really, uh, and again, and Donnelly and Nassau, but it's a full-court press, which was not there before. And you can't be attacking. You can't be undermining such a main force that was going after them the way it was done. So, I, again, I, I give uh, the president credit and also local law enforcement tremendous amounts of credit. This is uh, my friend Peter King, congressman, on uh, Wednesday, every Wednesday, either 840 or 7.40, TBD, to be determined. Hey, uh, the last couple of times you've been on, uh, you and I, who both became friendly with Eric Adams, despite getting yelled at, you and I took a beating for that, like you take a beating for criticizing Trump. We don't care. That's what makes you and I great. Uh, but uh, the last couple of times you've been on, you and I have kind of gone the other way on Adams. I haven't changed that yet. I know he was out there yesterday again talking about the national government. At one point, he went after the governor, but he took it right back in this issue with the migrants, nearly 83,000 large now. And Curtis this morning actually released some very, very powerful information about two places in Queens, one a big synagogue, which may turn out to be, will turn out to be, these migrant centers. How are you feeling this week about the mayor, Eric Adams? No, I'm, I'm disappointed. Listen, I want him to succeed. I think he's a nice guy. Any dealings I've had with him have been pleasant. I think that he said a lot of the right things. I give him credit for standing up to the Democrats on a number of issues, but he doesn't follow through. And we have to follow through. Uh, again, let the police do their job on immigration. You can't be complaining, which he is. He has a right to complain. But it's hard to complain about the federal government. You're having people welcome the uh, illegal immigrants coming into the Port Authority. I mean, they're being welcomed. They're being wined and dined. They're being put up in hotels. And so it's such a mixed signal that's being set. So he's got to be more more precise in criticizing President Biden, criticizing the federal government, criticizing the governor. And also, as you were saying, start the process of ending New York being a sanctuary city. It's gone far beyond what anyone ever anticipated in the beginning. And, again, it, it is uh, – uh, 
And no one was saying, yeah, it can take a while to do it, but you get the process started, and it sends a signal. It sends a signal that, no, that New York is no longer going to be subject you know, to invasion. And again, these could be good people coming in. The fact is we're not in a position to handle 40, 50, 60,000 illegal immigrants coming into New York. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to the city. And at a time when we're trying to bring in tourism, trying to bring people back to offices in New York, to be turning over main hotels like, you know, uh, like the Roosevelt, you know, turning it into a sanctuary for all these uh, immigrants, it's, uh, again, it's a, it's a wrong signal. And the city's getting worse. It really is. There's no doubt about it. And you, know, you talk to people in the police department, they will tell you. And that was also one of the turning points for me. And let me emphasize, Keyshawn Sewell has never said a word to me, critical of the mayor or anything about you know, the job that she had to do. But when, when she was, in effect, pushed out the way she was, or she left on her own, but she just couldn't do the job. That's why I read it, because the restrictions were being put there from City Hall. That, to me, was a turning point that the mayor was not as serious as he should be, not willing to follow through to fight crime. Well, that's fair. Listen, she was uh, she would have been great. Great lady, tough lady. Uh, she had the potential to be one of the great police commissioners, and she's gone. And I think your read is right. We've all got the same read here because Adams and Banks, basically she's a woman, but basically cut her balls off. And uh, that ain't going to work with a lady like her, so good for her. Uh, today, Joe Biden is going to meet with your friend Zelensky in Lithuania. They've been having these uh, these meetings, of course, and uh, NATO came into the discussion yesterday. Ukraine wanted to be put in the group, NATO, and uh, it took about three seconds for them to say no. What are your thoughts on Ukraine wanting to join the group, and do you think they should be eventually let in? I think eventually they should be. I don't think it would be appropriate to do it now. I don't think Zelensky expected to be coming in now. I think he was he expected to get some sort of invite to the future. But then Biden, the way Biden expressed it, uh, it made it sound like he was almost like anti-Ukraine. Again, it's a mixed signal. If he's going to support Ukraine, he should be saying good things about them. If, if his criticism, make it behind the scenes. But the way he sort of just you know wrote off, uh, even uh, the other NATO leaders, they were not going to have uh, uh, Ukraine come into NATO now. But I think they were going to give like a soft landing or they were going to ease it, not do it in the harsh way that Biden did. Also, in doing that, Biden's talking about Ukraine doesn't have the weapons. We don't have the weapons. The last thing you do is tell the enemy yeah. what you short some of these I mean, it's just uh, it's like one step forward, you know, two steps backward all the time with Biden. One more. Christopher Ray is on the Hill today getting grilled again. And, uh, well, today, I should say. And anybody uh, that I talk to, very anecdotal, thinks that Christopher Ray uh, should be fired, that he is a part of this whole corrupt DOJ, that he's no better than Comey or Brennan, uh, CIA folks, FBI folks, and he's at the very top, and it's a major, major issue. What do you think about Christopher Ray? Yeah, I, I think he's failed. Uh, I don't blame him for the situation that was there when he came in, but it's his job to get rid of it. And I don't think he's been tough enough in, in rooting out that uh, woke culture that's set in at the top levels of the FBI. My dealings with the FBI over the years, the FBI agents are great. Most of their leaders have been great. Certainly all the ones we've had here in New York have been great to work with. But at the national level, people like Comey and that whole crowd that was up at the top, a stroke, all of them, they were just, uh, and again, Comey was the one guy who fooled everybody because he, he always came across as, you know, the nice guy, the tough guy, the guy who was going to get the job done. And he was as much a part of that whole movement to uh, get Donald Trump out of office on phony charges involving Russia 
But again, the people are still in place, and a lot of the practices are still in place. And Ray has been too much of an apologist for them. They got a clean house at the FBI, top levels. Now, did you tell me that Friday night once again, come, come join me and my son Gabriel and Peter King and Rosemarie and Peter's uh, grandson Jack is going to be there, and of course, the great and lovely Melissa Zim. Did you tell me that's going to be Bartolo Colon night? I saw that in the paper that Bartolo <laughs> Colon is going to be there that night also. So uh, <laughs> I so love him. Two, two superstars, Sid Rosenberg and Bartolo Colon. <laughs> Make it three, Peter. Sid Rosenberg, Bartolo Colon, and you. And uh, we should do what we did last year, make it like a tradition. Go to Go Julio's for dinner afterwards, okay? Can't beat that. That is great. Looking forward to it. Uh, me too. Great, great, great job this morning, Peter. I'll see you on Friday. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Sid. Thank you. You're the best. Peter King, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, look at this. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, the Julio Lift. You ever see this thing? They lift this, like this big coffin. It's, uh, it's like the oldest Italian group out of Brooklyn, Williamsburg. Happens, You've seen this. Yeah, it happens down in Little Italy. Yes, exactly right. I believe. Uh, Lady of Mount Carmel, the Julio Lip is tonight at 7 o'clock at North 8th Street and Havemeyer, but it's in Brooklyn. It's uh, Havemeyer Street, which is in Williamsburg. Pick up your Julio T-shirts at the Nunziata Girls Stand. Do it tonight, folks. It's a great tradition. And uh, the Italians, well, they try to screw the Italians all the time in this city. Well, Gizadich, what are you Come doing? Come on, take away doing? Columbus Day, these mother effers. What are you doing? I plant your seed. I plant your push. Get your legs and get out of this place. Get out there tonight, North 8th Street and Havemeyer Street in Brooklyn, the Lady of Mount Carmel, and make sure you get a T-shirt from the Nianziata Girls. In Brooklyn. Hey, That's you, a... wear, you wear it. Good, look good on you. Oh, you thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, not you, but the other guy. Oh, somebody the else. Sure. behind you. Get out of the way. <laughs> that is a great two hours, folks. A lot more to come. Some more great guests, including Noam Layden, Charlie Gasparino, Rudy Giuliani, and coming up at 930, my daughter, 19-year-old Ava Rosenberg. Second half of the Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning with the cure about to come your way. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It in the Morning. Let me do that again. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than Sid.
Yeah, I definitely found out this morning. I, mean, I should say I figured out. This is one of my favorite Fleetwood Mac songs, maybe my favorite ever. Sending a happy birthday out there to the lead singer of this song. It's not Stevie Nicks. It's Christine McVeigh. But, of course, she really can't thank me back because she dead. Yeah. She died last year or so. But we still wish her a happy birthday. We do that on the show all the time. She would have been 80 years old. 80. 80 years old. Christine McVeigh. Lou, what's going on, buddy? Oh, God. Put the puck in the net. Just put the puck in the net. Christine you know, talking about putting the puck in the net in sports. So I look up at the uh, the TV. Steve Scalise, one of the great senators out of the state of Louisiana. He loves me, loves this show. He'll be back on Friday. Good job, I sit. So uh, Scalise back on Friday. So I look up at the TV a second ago, talking about putting the puck in the net in sports. And I see Ron Johnson. He's been on the show many, many times. Not the character name who banged Jennifer Jason Lee in the dugout in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, thank you. We were all very confused. But the actual senator from Wisconsin. He was Ron Johnson. He was a stereo guy. We uh, we know. Yeah. yeah. That's not the same Ron Johnson. So Ron is on TV, and he's talking about this deal between the Live Golf and the PGA. You know, they merged, as Donald Trump predicted a year ago. And there's millions and millions and millions of dollars being siphoned into professional golf by the Saudis. So all these 9-11 families, God bless their hearts, because I sympathize with every one of them and understand why they'd be upset. Their relatives were killed on 9-11. They're angry about it. And I get all that. And they should be angry. But you don't make decisions in life most of the time. Based on who gets angry. You just don't. And truth be told, why Congress, why politicians are getting involved in professional golf, I can't figure it out. Can somebody explain there's not enough issues in this country that they're on Capitol Hill worrying about Saudis and golf and the PGA? Am I crazy here, Lewis? Yes, you think they should get involved? No, I just think you're crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's all you asked. That's all you did there. Yeah, you see that? No, you're right. It's stupid. Stupid. Yeah. Stay out. I mean, stay out of sports. I remember years ago, Marty McSorley almost killed a player on the ice. Oh, he's blade hit the. Who is it in the side of the? Yeah, he almost head. killed him. It was. Um, yeah, he just he had pretty a good player who too. Was swinging his. Yeah, but they, they wanted to arrest the guy and put him in like. So I I, I said back then keep. The, the the Justice Department keep the, the keep them you know let the NHL suspend the guy keep the, the cops and the Justice Department out of hockey just 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 let them govern themselves is there, is there something so wrong with if, that if they if they govern themselves they well, do, they, yeah, yeah I mean, that's true too it's sometimes they don't do they the worst one I ever saw was uh, that idiot on the Capitals yeah. Pierre Turgeon. Yes. I was at that game. Oh, Pierre Turgeon. One of the greats. The game was over. He scored the overtime goal or something? Yes. He scored an overtime goal? Yeah. And, oh, God, well, the other that? guy that went nuts on the ice, too, he ended up uh, was a Todd Bertuzzi. Todd Bertuzzi. He was on Colorado, went to the Panthers. So, you know, the, one of the big stories today besides Eric Adams, I'm bored of this already, Adams complaining about the national government and, and the state and the migrants, and my God, is it boring is the Joe Biden story about his grandson. And it turns out that the Biden family just acts as if the kid doesn't exist. You can't make this up. Jake Tapper, CNN, hosts a Sunday morning show called State of the Union, but he's one of their go-to guys. Been around a long time, Jake. 
he actually almost made an argument for Hunter because the lady who he had the baby with hangs out with people on the right. I swear to God, Jake Tapper Lewis, this would be on CNN, cut number seven. For the sake of fairness, that Navy's mom, uh, Hunt, uh, who you know had the uh, incident with incident. Hunter that Cold resulted in this, in this beautiful child, uh, she has uh, been caught up in some far right so folks. So what? So he wasn't the only one. Then you get these hags, hags, all of them: Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, Sonny Hostin, Hostin. God, I don't care. Just. Despicable women, horrible ladies. If there was ever a reason for a man to become a homosexual, he just watch it. Watch the view. Just watch that show. Yeah, watch the view. I'll sleep with any one of you guys any day before I watch any of these ladies ever again. You could save uh, your your water bill. Yeah. No cold shower. You just watch <laughs> yeah, that. That's right. So they also were making an argument for the Bidens. I swear to God. And they also not only made an argument about the uh, the grandchild, but there's another story that the View got involved in, and that is that this person, Alex Thompson, an Axios reporter, says that Joe Biden is actually very angry behind the scenes. He's not nice little Grandpa Joe, that he's a prick, an angry bastard. Here's Alex Thompson, cut number one. You know, in public, maybe he'll whisper a bit when he's trying to make a point, but... Behind closed doors, he's prone to yelling. It's much saltier language. And he'll really angrily grill into his staff to the point that some staffers are actually a bit afraid to meet alone with the president. Really? Sometimes they'll bring in an extra person or two in order so that the firing line is a little bit distributed among several different staffers. So the view also goes and defends Biden. In fact, Joy Behar, one of the most repulsive women you'll ever see, Physically and, and uh, emotionally. She says it turns around when Biden gets angry. I swear to God. This is the view. Cut number two. Someone being angry makes you turn on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm turned on by Biden's anger. I am, too. I like it. You, like you believe this? Well, you have it's turned on by... I mean, he's such a mild-mouthed, sweet guy. Oh, but you know, yeah, yeah. he's not. We've heard, listen, he has dropped more F-bombs Uncle, than I have. Uncle Joe has over the good. years. Uncle Joe you know, has done years. that. I mean, over the years, we've heard him... Ah, uh, shut up. God, they're uh, they're I mean, ugly physically. They're ugly emotionally. They're ugly when they speak. They're just grotesque. I'm thinking about, like, Behar and Biden in bed. Don't, don't even think about it. Oh, and Dana Bash. You know what to do with that, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dana Bash jumped in on CNN, too, not just Jake Tapper. And she rushes to defense of the Bidens over the forgotten granddaughter. Dana Bash, cut number four. This is a story that is sad and disturbing on so many levels. Um, yes, it is political. For a couple of reasons. Um, number one, yes, Republicans are using it or, and are going to take advantage of it in a way that is unfortunate and inappropriate. But the reason they are doing that is because and able to do that is because of the brand and the kind of person that we all know and believe Joe Biden to be because it's who he says he is. And it's somebody who is a family man. That's what we see family all man. of the yeah. time. Right. You see what's going on here, folks? I know you know this already. I'm not dropping any real bombs this morning, okay? But the way they portray Joe Biden is not the way he really is. 
And yet, when he's called out, they rush to his defense. And when his son, and I don't crush Hunter because he's an addict, so am I. I'm in recovery. We'll be the rest of my life. The rest of my life. I don't crush Hunter for that. The stuff he did with these countries, taking millions and millions of dollars by using his father's name, that type of stuff, well, that he should be put in prison for that. But where I do blame Biden, uh, Hunter, is not for smoking crack. But when you end up having sex with your sister-in-law after your brother died of cancer, the one Biden, Bo Biden, was a good kid, that's gross. I'm sorry. That's gross. I am going to attack his character for that. And then when you end up banging a stripper because you're high and have a baby and don't want to take care of the baby and your father doesn't even consider the kid a relative, yeah, I'm going to attack your character. But what do they do? They rush to his defense. I know we do this all the time, but what if Eric and or Donald Jr. did that? Was smoking crack in their car, took a video of themselves going 200 miles per hour with prostitutes all over the world and then had a baby. And Eric and uh, Donald Trump refused to recognize that child as a Trump. How would that go, Michael Rappaport? How would that go? Why is that okay? What would Joy Behar, that repulsive pig, say about that? What would she say then? Donald Trump was firing people in the White House, and the turnover was high. It was, because they were backstabbing him and leaking information. People like Anthony Scaramucci. They rush to judgment and beat his ass every day. Oh, no, but Joe Biden, that turns me on. First of all, he's so decrepit, so old, so feeble. To even put him in any way in sexual terms, to me, to me, that's a reason right there for termination. Well, first, this, the yelling just kind of does it in the beginning. And then if he's long as he doesn't fall down the stairs, I'm all right. I'm all, I'm all good. I'm all good. Yeah, but yeah. That's, that's how it is. I call him Jolt and Joe. Oh, Jolt and Joe. Well, they've already used that one, I'm sorry to tell you. DiMaggio well, well, had well, that. That yeah. doesn't count. Oh, okay. He doesn't have the anger. I, <laughs> oh, I like right. the anger. All right, fair enough. Part of it. Sonny, what do you think? <laughs> Sonny, what do you think? There it is, the view. And it's amazing. You know, they get no no ratings, none. Zero. This idea that every woman who's not working is watching The View, complete nonsense. I think about two million morons watch The View. That is not great. So the idea that, oh, they're on the air because every woman watches them, that's not true. There's a lot of working women and women who actually have some pride. Pride for women who are not going to allow Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar to design their thoughts. So let's stop with the big ratings. It's not true. I hear shows get big ratings all the time. Big ratings, big ratings. You know where it is true? Right here. Did you know I was going to say that, Lewis? I, I I had an inkling because, but Sonny yeah. and I were passing notes, and I thought <laughs> you think that you think Sid, that that uh, turned Joy Behar on? Yes, but you <laughs> yeah. got to do it a lot louder, Sydney. That's that's what you I. You know who gets big I, ratings? Right here. <laughs> We got we got Gnomes Nuggets coming up. Then we've got Rudy Giuliani hopefully coming up. 
Charlie Gasparino. He's got the latest on Bidenomics. And then, live in studio at 9.30, the best of all, my 19-year-old daughter, Ava Rosenberg. Keep it right here. Hump Day Edition, sitting friends in the morning. As Pat O'Brien would say, rolls on. Sit-in friends in the morning. Friends, how many friends? 77 WABC. And it turns out that there's a red carpet premiere party, but it's in Los Angeles, which I'll be going to. Summertime, I got time off, and head to L.A. Beverly Hills, that's where Sid wants to be. Sid is in Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills. Look at all those movie stars, they are so beautiful and clean. When the housemates rub the floors, they get the spaces in between. Sid wants to live a life like that. Sid wants to be just like a king. Take his picture by the pool. Cause he's the next big thing Beverly Hills That's where Sid wants to be Sid is in Beverly Hills Beverly Hills Rolling like a celebrity Sid is in Beverly Hills Love LA. I'll be out there August the 10th, the red carpet premiere of Inside Man, formerly known as Gemini Lounge. This is a Danny A classic. I believe the best mob movie since A Bronx Tale. And uh, I'm in it. Not a huge role. Emil Hirsch, big role, great. Lucy Hale, Ashley Green, Bo Deedle. 
and it's going to be a huge hit, I promise you. So I'll be out in L.A. August 10th for the red carpet premiere, and it hits theaters all across America Friday, August 11th. And, of course, Gravesend is still doing great, still a top-five show on Amazon Prime. And stop bitching about the money. If you buy the whole season, nine episodes, I think it costs eight bucks. Eight bucks. If you go to the movies, you're going to spend 30. God, enough already. Oh, I got a paper, I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. What do I care? It's $8, you cheap mother effers. My God. You'll spend more on, a, on lunch today. And you got nine and a half hours of programming. Anyway, Rudy Giuliani's coming up. Charlie Gasparino, Ava Rosenberg. Oh, Michael Pagan sent me this before I get to know him uh, about the golf, Alec. He said, hey, Sid, the reason the government is involved is that the PGA is a 501c3 organization that is tax-exempt. They got a sweetheart deal from the feds, so that's why the government is talking about this in Congress, which does make sense. Well, I'm sure there was a reason on paper. Yeah, it's still annoying. It's still annoying. Thank you, Michael Pagan. All right, Gnomes Nuggets. Gnome, what you got this morning, handsome? Let me ask you something really personal. I'd rather you didn't. Do you on... You still are, I guess. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to. Don't worry. You won't, <laughs> yeah. you won't have any problems answering it. <laughs> Most nights, do you sleep in the same bed as your wife? Every night. Every night. Well, I mean, except the night she asked me not to. But <laughs> but no, let, let's go with every night, okay? Stop laughing. You're dying. I hate all of you. I, I was blown away by this study because I don't know anybody like this, but then again, why would they offer uh, this I'm going to stop you right there. What's that? Because I know my wife's grandparents... Love them both. Uh, Poppy and Nana, I miss Nana desperately. And my grandparents, my grandparents stayed married for like 60 years. And they slept in separate beds yes. in Coney Island. And I thought it was weird. Weird. I, You know, one in five couples, this new study came out this week, one in five American couples sleep in separate bedrooms. They call it sleep divorce. So, And it's not, a lot of times it's not couples who are angry at each other for anything. No. But it's just a matter that because, like, one snores, one right. uses a right. CPAP machine, right. whatever it is, they can't take it anymore. Well, they just want a good night's sleep. Well, we got close to that. So what Danielle did was she bought one of these, um, we've got these beds where they're, they're next to each other, right? right? So if you want to be intimate, you want to live with them. But then when you go to bed at night, it's really your own bed, and we've got remotes. So we can actually raise our uh, the head. You can raise your feet. You can massage yourself. So you've got your own. It's like a, like a medical bed, basically. So they're almost separate. They're not they're, separate they're, apart, they but they're separate, separate beds. They are separate beds. They're completely right. separate beds. Now we push them up against each other. So, again, if you want to watch TV together, be intimate, that all works. But like, if I move the covers or if I get out of the bed to pee in the middle of the night, she doesn't feel anything. She doesn't hear anything. So it works even better. I've heard her say that a couple of times, actually. Shut <laughs> up, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's gotten so big that even builders have noticed this, and now they're building it into the formula when they build new houses across the country that there are many couples who want this extra bedroom. And so they, you know, whatever it is when the night or nights that they want to be intimate, one will go to the other person's room. But uh, most other times they'll be all the time in separate bedrooms. One of the couples, they, speaking to CBS here uh, in New Jersey, they said um, this arrangement has been on since day one. They could never go back to sleeping in the same bed. I could do it for a night. 
But I think more than one night, I would be like, where's my stuff? I like a very empty, clean bed. When I have nothing in the bed, it, it feels weird to me. I like cool. If I could figure out how to like pump air conditioning through my pillow at all times, I probably would. I like to be very warm. Like I, I wear pajamas. Sometimes I wear a sweater over pajamas. I have a weighted blanket and a quilt. And then sometimes I put another blanket over my shoulders. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I've, there's been times where I've slept in other bedrooms for all different of kinds course. of reasons. Would you throw you out? <laughs> yeah. Right. And I do sleep really well when that happens. <laughs> No, Danielle always says she sleeps. I'm being honest because yeah. I always like if I had to go to a hotel for business, I'm like I didn't sleep last night. Why not? Because you weren't there. She'd be like, I got to tell you, I got the best sleep I've ever gotten. Yeah, that's the a good best sign. sleep yeah. I've ever gotten. Good sign. Yeah, it's what's a weird that, thing? That freak, uh, you know, Tiger Woods. You know, during his escapades, yeah. never let the women sleep with him after. He just banged them and sent them home. That's he just he he had a thing. It was came out one of those kinds of things. Yeah, I just well, want to have sex with you, and then I want to look at you I the next got, morning. But he would order <laughs> yeah. them like we're not sleeping in the same bed. No, no, not, you're out. You, yeah, I you're can't gone. sleep yeah. because he had a. Well, Derek Jeter would do the same thing, wouldn't he? He put no, him in he a cab with a bunch of baseballs, kept, right? Baskets. A bouquet of baseballs. Yeah, I think what, what Lou's saying is Tiger Woods had a room in his house. Yeah. Oh, different. Oh, just for the girls. Could not sleep. Oh, really? He wouldn't send them home. He would just be like, go sleep in the guest room. Wow. Didn't want them in the same. See, mine. It's a sleep. California king bed, and they're separate yet together. See, Justin's an issue because Justin, I swear to God, I'm not trying to be funny. He has this weird thing. He likes to smell his own farts. <laughs> I swear to God. And he does it all morning with Lou inside uh, behind the glass. Whoa, 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 whoa. Thank God whoa. I'm not in there. What are you talking Lou, about? Lou, am I, am, I, am I making this it up? It never got to true? the point where I'm smelling my own farts. Oh, that's what Lou told us. That is not what he told and us. And then he said, who else does that? What did I say? You. You. Yeah, right. yes. <laughs> well, first of all, it's a big... I hate, how, I hate how qualified I am for this job. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big pronouncement that it's coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. Oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Then he's already reaching for the door before yeah, yeah, and I went, yeah. just keep it open. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. wave the door open. I guess, yeah. I, at least uh, I give him the comment. I open the door. Yeah. Oh, well, wow, how big of you. Great. Oh, yeah. oh, You're welcome. Oh, my God. You. Look who called in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I actually had to quickly put him on hold. I feel uh, bad no, no, because I had to rush to my own defense. No, no, no. Are you done? Or? Uh, uh, I was just going to say that. So it's one in five. And um, uh, this one Duke researcher says um, that people are sort of afraid to talk about it because it seems strange. I think in our society, there's a stigma around sleeping apart, almost as if, you know, if you don't sleep in the same bed, there must be something wrong with your relationship. But there's no reason why you have to share the same surface while you're unconscious for seven hours. Yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, I sort of get that. You are sleeping. Doesn't matter. um, Yeah. Doesn't matter. No, I think it's weird. I'm sorry. And there are couples that stay together a lot longer than even me, 31 years. But I still think it's weird. Um, I'd almost rather you fight but stay in the same bed. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I thought it was tomorrow. Well, I swear to God, I said tomorrow. to Justin, I go, I guarantee you, Rudy thinks it's tomorrow. So I thought it was tomorrow because I got a late <laughs> yesterday, and I thought it was tomorrow. Well, can you, can you do tomorrow. tomorrow? Can you do tomorrow? Yeah, I'll do tomorrow for what, what, sure. What happens if you wake up tomorrow and you think it's tomorrow again? That becomes Thursday. I'm going to have five alarms on and a sign, and, and a sign and a sign that says if you don't call, if if you don't if you don't call Sid, I'm going to beat the. Who doesn't love Rudy Giuliani? I, I love Rudy Giuliani so much. 
By the way, Rudy does a great show 3 o'clock every afternoon. He also won the ratings in the spring book. Congratulations to Rudy. Want to send a quick shout-out to Brian Rabinowitz, my old buddy there at WFN. You remember Rabbi? The Rabbi, yeah, love him. He's listening right now. He works at the competition, but everybody listens to me, let's be honest. I got 10 sales guys over there, Craig and uh, Jay Till, listen to me. Uh, so, Rudy, uh, again, is on at uh, 3 o'clock every day. He's with us this morning. Don't forget, next hour, Charlie Gasparino and my daughter, Ava Rosenberg. Rudy, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good. I can let the FBI go now. Okay, guys, <laughs> you can go. <laughs> they were going to come you to know, your they, apartment. They felt bad. They felt bad coming and raiding my house. So it would be the second time. Were... It would be the second so time, they, right, Rudy? They did it as a favor. You know, I said, I'm, I want to make sure I make it to Sid. They like you, by the way. Oh, good. They good. all like you. Oh, that's good. Right. Except for uh, Christopher <laughs> Ray. He doesn't like me, but that's okay. I don't like him either. Uh, let's, let's start with a movie. That uh, you've been talking about, and I gotta oh, tell you I, this. I, I, I know, and I know Tim Ballard talks about it too. But I think of everybody I've heard. And I'm not just sucking up to you, Rudy. I think you put it the best. Tell everybody about this film, Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom is a film that shows a real life situation that happened about five or six years ago, where Tim Ballard, who was an agent who worked for Homeland Security. And he worked to protect children, but he always felt they didn't do enough, and they were leaving a lot behind. And all of a sudden, he got onto two big cases, one in Colombia, one in Haiti, and he just had this like feeling you get sometimes. And he called his wife, and he said, I want to quit and just devote myself to it. And he thought she was going to be angry at him, and she said to him, if you don't quit, don't come home. Wow. Because I want you to do this. This is the only way she said to him, this is the only way you're going to get to heaven. And he went ahead and he rescued actually about 200 people in Colombia, a large number in Haiti, all in this period of time. The movie is about the Colombia portion of it and the 52 children that he rescued. It's a beautiful movie and it's a very sad movie and it's a difficult movie to watch because it's about something that has reached epidemic proportions since then. When he was doing this, we actually had some control over this. For example, this ends, this has a happy ending in the sense that the Colombian police come in. They happen to be a good police department. I, I know when you say Colombian police, people might be a little, they happen to be one of the best police departments in South America. I worked with them for five years. And they came in and they saved the children based on him delivering it to them. Jim Caviezel plays his part. It's the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. He's actually he actually played Jesus Christ many years ago. He was great, Jim. He's a good yeah, actor. He plays yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, speaking Aramaic. Yeah, uh, I mean, you try speaking Aramaic. I yeah. can't. I can't. Uh, no. So uh, this is a brilliant part. Mira Sorvino, Paul Sorvino's daughter, you know, great actress. Yes, plays his wife, and uh, each one of them, by the way, has basically written off their career in Hollywood by doing this, which is ridiculous. Now, why is that? What is the political I, spin to this? Well, now the, the, the movie comes out, and all the left wing is attacking it. First of all, they say he made the story up. Oh, well, tough luck on that one. 60 Minutes did a piece on it five years ago when he was a hero. And 60 Minutes filmed some of it as it actually happened. So there's documentary evidence that what he's saying the only thing, the only thing uh, actually is they downplay it a little bit 
because it would have been too big a story to tell. They just tell the story of the 52 children. He actually rescued a lot more people than that. And uh, other than that, it's a perfectly accurate story, which was memorialized five years ago. So the, the whole idea they're making it up, Hmm. The CBS uh, is now criticizing it. Yeah. Five years ago, they were praising him. Well, yeah, don't, no surprise. I don't know I mean, what it is, Sid. Yeah. But whenever you get one of these pedophile movies or child, Hollywood goes crazy, and a lot of Democrats go crazy. Yeah, because they're the I ones. They're the ones, usually, that are perpetrating this crime. And I have to tell you, you know, to, bringing it to uh, to the White House, you know, this creep uh, Hunter Biden and his father, Joe, he's got this four-year-old uh, little kid that uh, he barely pays attention to, and the grandparents don't even talk about this kid. And you got people on The View, and you've got people like Jake Tapper defending the Bidens. So it's no surprise to me that the left hates this movie. What kind of decent person would defend somebody who doesn't recognize their own grandchild? Yeah, I, I think that's evil. I think uh, it's beyond, look, I prosecuted a lot of people who stole money, cheated, took bribes. They're bad people. They actually have some good parts to them sometimes. I can't find a good part to this bump. It's not a good part. I mean, a grandfather who won't recognize his grandchild, a guy, a, a hunter who won't go see his child. What the hell is that all about? But this, this movie got a terrible review in Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone basically, you know, rips it apart. Sounds like me thinks the woman protests too much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the only reason I can think of yeah. to be like, for example, in California, they lowered the penalties for pedophiles. Who the hell would vote to lower penalties for pedophiles? Oh, who did pedophiles? that? Was it was that was that Gavin Newsom? Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure. Newsom may have opposed it. Okay, they did it over his veto. I'm not sure. Okay, so we got to be certain. But the legisl- legislature, the Democrats in California, lowered. Ugh. The yeah. penalty for pedophiles. Who in the world would lower the penalty for pedophiles? Ay, ay, ay. These legislators, same thing here in New York. These are the animals up in Albany, the Stuart Cousins, the Easties, that make sure that uh, bail reform is alive and well. These legislators, these are uh, the city council people in New York, they're the absolute worst, the worst of the worst. I do want to ask you about the mayor, though, because he's on the cover of today's New York Post, and it reads, 87,200 and counting, quote, silent crisis. Adams opens two new mega centers as migrant flood shows no sign of slowing. Once again, he talked about the federal government, never national government, never mentioned Joe Biden's name, never mentioned Kathy Hochul's name, and continues, continues to be okay with calling New York a sanctuary city, yet he bitches about the migrants. What am I missing here, Rudy? I think there's something wrong with him. I think something going on with him. He's saying very strange things lately. I mean, you know yeah. him a lot better than I do. Not really. But from the time I wrote him off. From the time, <laughs> right? But from the time he said that God talked to him, I think he's gone off the deep end. The other day, he's talking about uh, uh, working in a cotton field and uh, being on a plantation. <laughs> and uh, what? What? I don't think I remember his career. I never remember assigning him to a cotton field. <laughs> Me either. He, 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 I mean, I think it would ruin all his suits if he had to work in a cotton field. 
<laughs> you know, it's funny, but but it's not. I mean, he's saying some really – and, look, there are still guys that love him. They defend him, and, and that's fine. But uh, you just can't say that type of stuff if you're mayor. Like, like uh, Joe Esposito, for example, said to me yesterday, hey, I talked to God, and I said, Joe, so do I. I asked God flat out, please save my father's life. When my father, who I since I passed, do, I do too. Yeah, right. But but I don't tell you that God called me and said, "Hey, Sid, in thirty years, you're going to be number one on the radio." How ridiculous it's is that? Little, it's a little. It's a little. It's a little different. It's a little different. Right. You're praying to God. And God I mean, God talked to Moses, not me. You know. <laughs> I think he talked to you. The job that you did was. Hey, let me ask you about this uh, live golf thing. Of course, your son Andrew on two o'clock every Sunday is a tremendous golfer. He actually golfs with Trump all the time. So I know golf is a big sport in your family, Rudy. But they're in Congress now talking about this live golf PGA partnership, and I know that the PGA is tax exempt. So there's a federal link to this. What do you think about Congress getting involved in this merger? I don't know if they should. I mean, the same issues that exist there exist with the NBA, the NFL. They're all monopolies uh, that dominate the sport and leave very little uh, uh, freedom and, and, and ability to negotiate other things or no competition. Now, if they want to look at it, they should look at everything. The fact that Saudi Arabia is involved, look, I have very bad feelings about Saudi Arabia. No one was probably affected more than I was by September 11. But I also realize they're a necessary ally and that there is a distinction between the terrorists and the royal family. The royal family may not do enough, but they also keep a lid on what could be a catastrophe. So I think we have to have a little room to allow our government, whether it's Biden or Trump or anybody, to deal to deal with Saudi Arabia, maybe even a little hypocritically. It, it, it's in our own good. Uh, and the mere fact they're involved in the golf thing, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why everybody's all upset about that. We do business with them. Right. We do plenty of business with them. Of course. And it, it's important for us to win them over more, actually. I agree. I, I, no, I understand why the 9-11 families would be upset. I get that. But everybody else, what are you getting crazy over? Hey, talking about 9-11, last thing. You, Rudy, me, you, and your son were all big Giant fans. Most of my friends are Jet fans. The Giants opened the season September 10th. Now, September 10th, 2001, the Giants were in Denver, Monday Night Football, and they flew back, of course, the next morning, and we know what happened. And the Jets play Buffalo. Don't you think this was a golden opportunity with the first Monday night game of the year being on 9-11 for the Jets to play the Giants? They played this year during the regular season anyway. Of course it would be. It'd be the, it, I mean, it, it would be the second biggest game of the year. Right. After the Super Bowl. Right. Right. Could you imagine you'd be out there and the patriotism? But this this guy, Goodell, the NFL, and don't get me wrong, Rodgers versus the Bills, that's a great matchup, Jets and Bills. But could you imagine Jets-Giants Monday night, 9-11? Yeah, they, uh, they don't think that way. It's, it's amazing. I mean, they don't, they, don't, uh, they, don't, they don't have a sense of – it's almost as if Goodell has gone a little woke, too, you know. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. it's a little it's a little off putting for for football fans who probably are the least woke of any group of people in the world if you go to a 
if you, if you go to one of their parties, <laughs> we're animals. Are you kidding me? Come on. Sweatpants and beer. Let's go, Rudy. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, this year, by the way, this year, I've got to make it to your apartment. If the Giants do get back to the playoffs and you're kind enough to invite me again, I will be there uh, you're, this year. You're there, babes. I mean, uh, come thank on. You. Oh, thank you. I love you, Rudy Giuliani. Thank you for calling in. You're great you're as the, always. You're the, you're, the, you're the best. You're the best we got. Uh, thank you. you. Coming from you, that means a heck of a lot, Rudy. There he is, folks, the best mayor ever, not just in New York City, but the best mayor anywhere in this country. And, folks, he's got a great radio show every day, right after Greg Kelly and right before Bo Snurdly, 3 p.m. every weekday here on WABC. Rudy, baby, I love you. That wraps up three hours. Big final hour to come. Charlie Gasparino talking Bidenomics and live in studio. My daughter, Ava Rosenberg, 9 o'clock hour, coming at you. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Christine McVie. Happy birthday, Christine. She would have been 80 today. She did die last year. Fleetwood Mac at 9-10. I want to send a special shout-out. My buddy Frankie Kravitz, a good friend of the family at this point, Danielle, too. Great jeweler out on Staten Island. His daughter, Kimberly, who's a huge fan of the show. Lovely girl, big TV star. News 12 out there in New Jersey. Does a really good job, Kimberly, on TV. Today is Kimberly's birthday. So happy birthday to Kimberly Kravitz from all of us here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. And before I get to Charlie Gasparino and my daughter Ava coming up, we have uh, an intern here today. And uh, Elena, that's your name, right? Yes, yes, it is. And you become now the second intern to hop on. Carly's been on before. She's going to Syracuse. Yes. Uh, last year, we interviewed, we interviewed all of them, I think, Emily and Claire Bedley and all of them. But uh, what I found interesting was we are going to college, which is... Rice University. Which I believe is in Houston, Texas. Houston, yes. And you don't know, Lou, who went to Rice in our lives? A name we heard almost every day? Oh, uh, the kid, that, his kid. Come on. Wyatt. Wyatt Imus. Yeah, okay. Rice every well, day. It's irrelevant. <laughs> no, not for her. She's going to Rice. Well, I'm, I'm Do you know who Wyatt I'm Imus is? Is it George Imus' son? Whose son? Or someone. No, did you say no, George but... Imus? Or no. Doesn't matter. She no, no, no. Want to hear? Talk to me. Not the know. host. Look at me. I'm the host. Uh, Who's son? I, someone mentioned like Imus, so I assume yes. it's his no, son. It is his son. Yeah. But what, what was the first name you mentioned for Imus? Probably not George? the name I said. <laughs> yeah. It was Don Imus. Oh, okay. He's but he's like Christine McVie. You know what that is? Dead. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Don and Deirdre Imus. So when you go to Rice. Mm-hmm. 
Tell them that you're like Wyatt's cousin or something. <laughs> you'll probably get all kinds of great treatment. No, you, maybe you won't. You won't? Do you like the rodeo? <laughs> rodeo is big in Texas. <laughs> I know, it's very big. It, seriously. You care about that type of stuff? Or? I mean, I think like growing up on the East Coast, it's definitely a different change, but I'm, you know, I want to try something new. It's a great school. Yeah. What, what are you going for? This? This, but then I might also do some like business or finance. On you do? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a terrific university. When do you start? August 12th. Oh, congratulations. So very soon. You buy a gun yet? <laughs> Everybody in Texas owns a gun, sometimes two or three. I know, I know, but. You think you'll be okay in, the, in I, college? I think like the the neighborhood that the school is in is oh, it's very a beautiful. safe. Is it it's Waco? So pretty. Not Waco. Um, no, in Houston. It's in Houston. That's yeah. Right. What school's in Waco? A and is it A and M? Texas A and M? Maybe. Isn't that in College Station? Yeah, you're right. It is yeah. College. Very good. Very good. The Aggies. She's ready already. So. Yeah. So one of them is in Waco. One of the schools. TCU maybe. I don't know. Um, Texas Branch Christian. Davidian University. Which one? The Branch Davidian University. <laughs> yeah, right. That one with David Correct. <laughs> well, listen. Good luck to you. Thank and, you. And uh, you've been doing a great job. And I like the fact that you sit and watch me every day. I mean, it's. I'll tell you the reason why. Because I'm the best. That's why. <laughs> that too, that too. Right. But I did, like, one of the reasons I did this internship was I spent, I told Lou and Justin, but in, I'm currently on a gap year, so I graduated last oh, year. Okay. Gotcha. And then I spent three months in South Africa. I actually interned at a radio station. In South Africa? In Cape in Town, South Africa. Cape, Cape Town. Cape Town. Yeah. So there it was like a gap year internship program, and my placement was at a local radio station. So every day I was like, doing what you did, but at like obviously a lower scale, sure. you know, starting out there and having local listeners and interviewing people. And like awesome. my, my second day, they were like, you should just do an interview. So they just like put me on the spot five minutes before the interview. And I had to do the interview as if I had been working there for like months and months and months. Awesome. And then from there, I had, was hosting a show with my boss every single day for like three months. So that's why I enjoyed watching you and I enjoy like seeing this because it reminds me of that, but then also like how I can improve and like how to improve interviewing. Oh, how to like, improve, but, yeah. uh, thank you for that. But it sounds like you're through a tremendous start. That's a great <laughs> Cape Town, South Africa. Now you're at WABC going to Rice. I expect huge things. Huge. <laughs> what did they talk? What did you talk about? I mean, it was like a little bit of everything. I think my favorite thing was like interviewing locals there. So there was like a local artist, a local politician or uh, owner of a local nonprofit or local business. So you just learn a lot about the culture there, the people there. It's a beautiful And honestly, here, I love, right? yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. So like yeah. I was working half the time there, but then just hiking, surfing on a oh, safari all you. the time. What a so. life. Good for you. <laughs> well, it's good to see you. i got to get to Charlie Guest. We're not talking about business, but uh, you sound like you're, uh, you're a very, very bright young lady. You're on the right course. And we wish you nothing but the best of luck. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Joe Nolan uh, tells me he's right. Baylor is in Waco, Texas. Great school, Baylor. Uh, let's get to uh, one of the talk about business, as good as it gets, a genius mind over at Fox Business, Fox News, a dear friend of mine, the great Charlie Gasparino. Good morning, Charlie. How you doing, Sid? I'm doing very, very I really enjoyed uh, your last column, and I actually went to, to uh, Justin. I said, get Charlie on. And uh, it reads like this. It was in the Post, July the 9th. Biden's word salad explanation of his economic plan kowtows to Teamsters. Now, I will tell you that I did watch Chuck Todd and Meet the Press on Sunday. I never do. Never. And all they talked about was this, and relentlessly, by the way, how well Bidenomics is doing, how his economic plan, although although slow, is improving and the country is looking the right way in terms of the economy. What are your thoughts on all of this, Charlie? 
Well, I, I mean, listen, I, I don't know Chuck Todd. I, I don't know what his background is in economics. Uh, I mean, he should be able to repulse because that's what he does, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, average Americans are not being brainwashed by my columns in the Post saying that Bidenomics is not, you know, not what it what it what it's been built up to be. Average, you know, I, I look at, you know, there, there are what two hundred. How big is that? How many people vote out there? About 100 million voters. They're not all watching Fox News, right? And, you know, when you take polls of people, they say they feel worse off than they have in the past. They believe inflation is still eating into their paychecks. They feel like they have to work more and get less. Uh, we, we, you know, we had some good news today. There's a, there's a lower CPI number, but, you know, it's still above the, the Fed's target. Yeah, but but I got to stop you right there because you mentioned inflation and they went, they said 10 times on Sunday. It was 8%. Now it's 4%. They talked about great job numbers in the month of June. So yeah, inflation is still an issue, but they've said they've dramatically whacked it. Now what they left out, of course, is in doing that, they've raised interest rates and basically ruined that whole market. But those numbers for their defense, they are down. Well, I mean, you know, it's like saying, I mean, listen, 20% is better than 10%, but 10% still allows them, right? I mean, 4% is still pretty bad. 3% ain't great. This is much higher than we've ever had. And it, you know, and it affects different parts of the economy. So again, my, my, my broader point is that if things were so great, people, you know, people are not brainwashed by, by right wingers like, you know, allegedly, I'm not really a right winger. I don't know what I am, but people like me, okay, that are, that are, that are being, uh, less than Pollyannish about Joe Biden's record. So, you know, they have to answer to that. And that's the problem with Bidenomics. And you could tell by the way it's carried out by the, you know, Sid, is that it does pick winners and losers. And, you know, he's, he's, he's basically arm in arm with the Teamsters who are doing something really sort of irrational with this company, Yellow. They, they're essentially, Yellow wants some minor concessions from them, not even like, you know, wage givebacks or anything like that. They want basically some teamster workers to you know uh, you know uh, load some trucks up at 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 the at the depots when they before they go out with their load teamsters are looking at that as like some sort of a huge thing that it's going to cannibalize their workforce and this guy Sean O'Brien is basically playing with fire and if the, if if they don't agree to some concessions this company's probably going to go out of business if you know it's mm. it's business model it's a tough business model and, you know, what? what's his bigger aims, though? He's, he's obviously going after Amazon. He wants them to be unionized. He wants he wants, um, he wants to go. He wants more concessions out of UPS. I want to say one thing. I come from a union household. My old man was a union iron worker. And here's a little thing about trucking. I unloaded UPS trucks because I lived when I – I lived in Yorktown Heights when I was a kid. I lived in kind of a working class area. The UPS plant was behind my house. That was my job as a city <laughs> yeah. during the summer. So I know a lot about this company. I know a lot about the Teamsters. I have friends who are Teamsters. So it kind of I'm kind of torn here. But the Teamsters work rules. If you're a company that's you know on the verge and you have to deal with the Teamsters, you're because of these work rules, you're you're probably going out of business. And I think that's. Where and and Joe Biden is right behind it, as if he doesn't even understand yeah. that thirty thousand jobs could be you know could be dusted on something stupid because yeah. he's it's an election year and he wants to he wants to be cool with the Teamsters. So right, right. Uh, I mean, I understand is, that. I get that. Uh, uh, right to be cool with the Teamsters on election year. I get that. And, and you know, talking about jobs and, and thirty thousand jobs, and they never say this. So when uh, these uh, weekend shows on Sunday, these liberal shows. 
uh, are going nuts over these uh, June numbers and the job numbers, they always leave out that because we're still not really past the COVID issue, there's a lot of jobs that are just coming back because of COVID. He's not creating jobs. He's putting people back to work who lefties took out of work in the first place. Yeah, I mean, some of this is just is just like these are laid into with non sequiturs where, you know, the premise and the the result doesn't match up to the premise. Is it an illogic here? I mean, look at it this way. We didn't need the amount of spending that we had. And Trump probably spent too much. And he was too profligate with interest, you know, pushing Jerome Powell to keep interest rates too low. I mean, he set the stage in many ways for, for some of the inflation we have. But Joe Biden. You know, threw not just gasoline on the fire. He threw, you know, barrels of gasoline <laughs> on the fire. So he, what he did was we were coming out of this whole thing. We had, a, we had, a, you know, COVID was waning. I mean, it was fits and starts. But by 2020, by the time Joe Biden took over in 2021, we had a semi-effective vaccine. Things were going to be open. Fits and starts. I get it. People were spending. We were clearly not in a recession. You know, things were going positively. Then, then we and get a and then we get a really good like GDP number from Trump before he left. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he pumped up the economy too. You know, now he probably shouldn't have spent as much, but that's a whole. Other but story. that's every president who was it? Give me a president that didn't spend. I mean, God, look at Obama before him. That was a mess. Well, if you're compla- comparing to Obama, you're comparing to a a socialist progressive organizer. But anyway, um, my my point is that Joe Biden made made the situation, basically sealed the fate of this economy being this weird thing where you have lots of job growth, theoretically, a very low unemployment. People think it sucks. I mean, right? And they think it sucks because of inflation and a lot of other stuff. And so um, that all on him, the, the the liberal media just doesn't want to like look at numbers. And no. they don't they don't want to admit that you know things when you when you get past those headline numbers, things don't look that good for the. Well, average I'm going to ask you this, and I asked my boss John Katzmatidis, who's about as good as businessman as you'll ever meet. I'm not sucking up to the guy. I'm under contract. Uh, he knows. Oh, okay. Listen, I, I I could say I'm not under his contra- contract with him either, and I'll agree with you 100%. Right. Guy's made $4 billion in 10 different types of uh, businesses. And I asked him, and he's in the oil business, the energy business. And we know, of course, right. that a lot of the economic issues come back to oil and drilling here and uh, independence. But I did ask him, I said, hey, John, is it possible, is it possible to lower inflation without raising these interest rates to the point where you can't get any money from any bank. Nobody wants to buy a house. I mean, they're destroying the whole market. Is it possible to do that? And he thought it was. Do you? Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, you got to realize the monetary and fiscal experiment of that began with Trump during the lockdowns, but, you know, was really sort of, you know, just exploded on the Biden uh, is unprecedented. Okay, so to put that genie back in the bottle to correct this sort of I mean, by the way, you just it wasn't just like you have inflation, you had you had market inflation, you had stocks that you had literally new asset classes coming out of nowhere. People were trading dog coin. Remember those coins? Yeah, I do, of course. Yes. But that that tells you just how crazy things were because of all this money sloshing around. So there would be, I, I think there would have to be some, they'd have to normalize interest rates at some point. Maybe not to where it is now, but they would have had to raise interest rates no matter what. That said, 
there is a supply side um, argument here, which I believe in, that if you ratchet back regulations, if you let businesses give the supply, make it a lot easier for people to drill for oil, right, to produce stuff without massive government regulations that you see out of the Biden administration, which permeates the entire economy. I mean, listen, they tried to stop Microsoft from buying active some, some, some video game thing because they thought it was like anti-competitive. This is, we're talking video game. <laughs> Think about where they're yeah. buying it. I mean, yeah. They care that yeah. Microsoft is buying. I don't even like know what Activision Blizzard does. It's, it's, it's one of these video game companies. But they thought if those two companies merged together, that would somehow give Microsoft some wicked edge in producing this crap that kids watch. I mean, it, it, it was just, it's the stupidest thing in the world. Um, and that's what they're focused on. And that permeates the entire economy. So John's right. If you ratchet back that type of regulation, businesses are freed up. They do what they need to do. They could, we could, we can handle some of the inflationary pressures. I, you know, I'm a, I disagree with him on this. They needed to raise interest rates. I mean, this is, you just can't keep printing something. I mean, think of it this way, Sid. When was the last time you've created more of something and the price of it doesn't doesn't get devalued? Almost never. Almost never. And that's what they did with the U.S. dollar. Yeah, yeah. Where is it now? Um, I don't think we're in. I don't think we're in horrible shape with with the dollar. It's not a run on the dollar right now. And with interest rates coming down, though, the dollar gets weakened, by the way. And that's a good question. Dollar weak. Let's see what it says. Um, it looks like we're okay. Dollar okay. drops to yeah. three-week low as okay. the Fed. So, so this is interesting. The, 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 the Fed, the market is bet, betting. This is, like, so weird. I mean, you, we could have your whole, your whole program talking about this, you know, Jerome Powell may raise rates four more times, by the way. Larry Fink of BlackRock was on Fox Business saying that. There is a market bet that they're almost done. Um, so if, they, if you believe they're almost done, the dollar will weaken a little bit on that. Well, they'll raise it uh, a quarter each time. And if they do that four right. times, now you've got yourself a full point. Um, that's what Larry Fink says because it's but but, 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 but didn't they tell but, but didn't they tell me about four months ago? Didn't Joe Biden and his Fed tell me they were going to stop raising interest rates that they were just going to add a point five one more time and that was going to be it? Didn't they say that? Yes, um, you know Joe Biden, not directly. That was Jerome Powell. Right. But, uh, Powell. Yeah. Theoretically, theoretically, there's some daylight between the two, right? right. The right. Fed and, and the White House. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it, inflation is still above the target even though we raised it a bunch of times. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, deal, this whole Bidenomics thing, and uh, what Trump is going to be able to uh, prove to the people how well he did with the economy for the better part of three-plus years, and that does become a huge part because we can talk all day about Ukraine and Russia. We can talk all day about China, Taiwan, and all that stuff. And what people really care about, Charlie, is you know with the election not that far off right now, is how we doing here? How can they take home most of their paycheck? How can they make sure that going out for a $100 dinner ain't going to make them broke for the entire month? And that is yeah, where, no, that's where Trump kicked Biden's ass. Kicks well, his yeah, ass. Yeah, he, he, he did. But, you know, listen, if I'm being intellectually honest, which I'm going to try to be here, um, he sowed the seeds of some of the stuff. 
uh, just because well, but so of the what? I mean, I mean, listen, listen. We had our, uh, uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, fifty years. You'd agree, Charlie. We had our, our best days under Bill Clinton. And while Bill Clinton gets credit for the great economy in America enjoying themselves, we knew back then it was going to be the same thing too. He let all these mortgage companies and dot com. You knew eventually well, someone's going to pay the price. Well, wait a second. Bill Clinton had a, you know, his economic policy. You could ask Larry Kudlow about this. Was very supply side ish in his second term. He was pushed by Gingrich and the Republicans to cut capital gains to do yeah. some certain things that were very good. I, this is the problem with Trump. Now I think you got to go back to after you know right around the time of the election in 2020, and after when he said he still was winning, and look at some of the stuff he was pushing through, some of the spending measures that were. I mean, it was it was kind of a weird time where he kept spending. Doing stuff that's not really conservative. Now, you can argue about it. I thought it was setting the stage for what we see now. Biden, though, tripled down on it. And I think, you know, if there's any weak part of, of Trump's economic agenda going forward is that last, you know, sort of quarter yeah. of his presidency yeah. where we knew we were coming out of COVID and he probably should have stopped spending. Yeah. I hear you, but it was unprecedented times, and it sounds like I'm defending him. Uh, yeah, because I love him, and I, and, uh, I just don't care. Uh, <laughs> but uh, listen, you are great, and your columns are great, and you're a genius, and every time you're on, I know I learned something, and I'm much smarter than most of my audience, so they must learn something. So <laughs> thank you for coming on, Charlie Gasparino. You know, you're great. And I got and I got to watch grade Z, because I feel like I know some of those people. <laughs> yes, you do. You know a lot of us, and I really do want to hear what you have to say, so watch it. Okay, season two, Gravesend, all right, buddy? I will. Thank Charlie, you. great job. That's my friend Charlie Gasparino. He's a wonderful guy, great guest, knows his money. We'll take a short break. Lots more to do, including my daughter, Ava. Think she's in the building? Keep it right here. Sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. My daughter's here. She'll join us next segment. The interview coming up with Ava Rosenberg, brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. That's today's sit stake. Me and my daughter, I spoke to Pete yesterday for about a half hour in Chicago. You're going to stop in next week. And uh, that's the great Pete Morgan. It looks hot outside, Lewis. It looks hot out there. Did MJ take the ferry yesterday? Tell how she got home? No, she's got a break right now. She's not. Oh, she's home? She's got a, yes. That ferry was so the, hot. She, she knows the, the problem with the ferry, ferry is, is on days like today, 
you know, what gets populated by that filthy vermin, that kid, <laughs> the disgusting waiting. Manhattan people come to my yes. town, you know. So it, it, it's 11.15 ferry. If you get there 10.45 or later, you're lined up all the way to the Industrial Park restaurant. And then you, you barely get on the ferry. Like I, have, I, have, I have, like, palpitations where I'm going to miss it. No, that line is brutal. Long. Yes. Right. So when the show ends, I run there to make sure I get on the ferry and get any seat that I want. But the problem is I get there by 10.30. I got to wait 45 minutes in the baking sun for the damn boat to come. And then it's another 75 minutes in the sun on the boat. Unless I stay inside, which is a waste of time. So the whole ferry thing has become, on a day like today, it's not fun. On a nice 70-degree day, gorgeous. Can't beat it. Today, 90 degrees, no good. No good. So. But you can go inside. On, inside no, you though. can't go inside. Then I, I feel like I'm happened. wasting my time. You haven't even been outside yet. You don't know what it feels like. It could be like a nice windy 90. Well, when you're on the water, it's not all that bad, to your point, Justin. When then I get off the boat, and I look like I got hit with a, you know, like a fire zone on my face. Do you apply sunscreen to your bald head? Yes, I do. Good. Okay. But what if they say bald head? I don't understand. Because then you wouldn't have to apply Do you sunscreen. wear sunscreen? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, you don't? No. Well, you never get tan, though. I came back. I was burnt to a crisp. In the yeah, you did have some color, yes. Yeah. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Drums, please. All right, got about seven minutes here. We like to talk to the young people. We already had uh, Elena on earlier, one of our interns. She's heading to Houston, going to start uh, Rice University. My daughter Ava is going into her second year college, university, in uh, Cardiff, uh, Wales. Had a uh, s- spectacular first-year campaign in law school there, but uh, she's home now for the summer. The summer for her is like four months. <laughs> and, uh, she's uh, been in New York with us, in Queens with us, South Carolina, on her way to Miami. It's been uh, quite the summer for my 19-year-old daughter going through her second year in college. Ava Caroline Rosenberg, good morning, Ava. Good morning, Dad. Really good morning. I, I well, saw you at 4.30 a.m. today, so. Yes, and I almost oversleep. I did oversleep. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shock there. Um, so I spoke to Elena earlier. Mm-hmm. She's going to Rice. And you've been on this show before. You've talked mm-hmm. about your, your college experience. Uh, let's go to that quickly. I only have about six minutes. Mm-hmm. You're a first year in Wales. How would you describe that? Terrifying, but thrilling. At the same time? Yes. Yeah. And then you did very well. Yes. So is it fair to say you're excited to go back? I can't wait. I'm super excited. I really miss what do my you mean friends. You can't wait. You no. love being here. <laughs> I love being here, but I'm excited to continue pursuing my career goals and to see my friends because it is it is hard to have such close friends so far away. Yeah, and you've gotten very close with those girls. Uh, yes, Neve and uh, who am I missing? Nadia, Nelly. Right. Although you come home and you've got great friends here. Penelope yes. yesterday and. You're going to go see your dear friend, your childhood friend, really, Katie, down in Miami yes. uh, tomorrow. That's a big deal, No, right? today, actually. Today, right. Yes. Yeah. Did you like living in Florida more than New York? No. 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 Okay. Um, I think spending my teenagers in the city was one of the best decisions you guys could have made. 
and it exposed me to a lot and helped me be more independent. It certainly did, right? Yes. I mean, in Florida, it was basically, let's drive Ava to school, let's drive Ava to tennis. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of independence now. Well, I still can't drive, but, you know, at least I have street smarts. Right. Well, I do notice, uh, this is not a knock at uh, Katie or Jessica or any of your Florida friends, Mm -hmm. but I do notice that the kids the same age are a lot different in New York than Florida. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, well, environment impacts the way that you develop and the way that you grow up. Right. So... I think that makes perfect sense. Plus, Florida's got Ron DeSantis as governor, mm-hmm. who I happen to like, as you know. I and don't. I know you don't. Uh, <laughs> and you like all these horrible uh, politicians. And no, no, no. I, I, I don't no. like. I don't like any politicians, actually. You don't like any I'm of them. I'm very. I. I'm very anti-political polarization, and right now, I. I. I don't have a liking or, or a strong love for anyone. Uh, I tell people that when you were young and first came to New York, we're talking about 2016, seven mm-hmm. years ago, and you made your New York debut. You were on Florida with me quite a bit. You were great. Yeah. Uh, with me and Bernard. Yes. And we were excited to have you because you didn't like, you loved no, 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 President no, 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 no. Trump. Now, what happened? The only what reason, happened? The only reason I thought The only reason I thought I did was because I was completely following you and listening no, to no, you. No, I, I voted for Hillary no, 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 Clinton. No, 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 no. It was Bernie who loved Trump. And as I got older, I was able to make decisions for myself. And I mean, I think as a woman, liking him is, it's kind of counterintuitive. It is not. I guess it is. No, it is not. Yes, it is. He's done nothing horrible. But the same goes for Biden. Biden's Biden's also, Biden Biden is also a creep and a scumbag. So to be honest, I'd like to see some newer options, some younger options. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why though? What does age matter? Isn't it all about competence? Why do we care about age or gender or sexuality or any of this nonsense, Ava? As long as the guy's competent. Trump was a great president. You may not like him. That's subjective. He may have character flaws. No, it's not. Yes, it is. He's a great president. That's subjective. It is? It is subjective. So you're telling me he wasn't? In my opinion, no. No. But I think it's worse now than when he was president. Like, I can admit the fact that Biden's uh, presidential uh, time has been much worse. Much worse. All right. Well, that's that's. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I like Trump well, well, due but, to but, that. But, but I'm going to take because it that why way. would I like someone well, just because well, well, they uh, weren't as crap? I'm just going to take it that way. Let Daddy do what I do, and uh, you're saying Biden's worse. So to me, that's a win for my guy Trump. He's done a worse job, but I actually yeah. don't know who's worse at heart. But I'll well, never you know, know who's worse at heart? Biden. He's got a four-year-old granddaughter. He doesn't even talk to. Trump is a good father and a good grandfather. You know that. You know that. I know you don't I want think, to say it. I it's it's nice that he has some yeah. some family values, but um, I don't agree with a lot of his other okay, values. That's, fine. that's okay. Do you agree with everything King Charles says? In because uh, you love the royalty in in, uh, uh, in London. I like I like the idea of it. I think the monarchy is cool and it's a cool part of history. But I don't know how important they are because they are they actually have no actual power they have, they have no political power and right. everything is by convention fun fact whenever a law goes uh, gets goes by the monarch in charge has to um, accept it and they have to give their royal assent and they actually technically still have the power to veto or say no but in over 300 years no mar- monarch has used that power because they know that the people will rise up, which is a form of something called uh, political constitutionalism, which means that um, politics affect the way that the law is directed more than the actual law itself. Look at you. You're on fire this morning. This is uh, an unbelievable appearance. 
So uh, King Charles. Mm-hmm. Now you're in Wales. You're about ninety on the fast train. You're about ninety minutes away from London. We've yes. done that trip with me and mommy and Gabe, and we love it. How do they feel about King Charles? And oh, I, they don't like him. They also don't like England. There's a very there's a lot of tension between the Welsh and the English. Is that right? Yes, because the English technically, I mean, England conquered at least a quarter of the world at one point, but they they also took over Wales and they were happy being independent. But I also think it's it's a bit silly if they want to succeed because they a lot of their power and, and their money comes from England. So if they want to leave the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, then they have to lose that security that England gives them. You see how I'm looking at you? What? Like a father who's so proud and loves their little girl. And I can't believe how smart you are because the majority of the time that you're with me, I see you doing stupid things (laughs) like Snapchatting and taking pictures of yourself and selfies and jumping in the water at 4 o'clock in the morning. And for the (laughs) last six minutes, I've sat with my mouth wide open because... You're brilliant. You really are. You're a smart. This is your mother who did this, but you're unbelievable. I, fi- I find what you just said funny because you talk so eloquently on the air, yeah. but at home, I mean, you're picking your nose and farting everywhere. So That's fine. You know, I think we're actually pretty Please. similar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do do some of that. That's true. What can I tell you? Uh, and I am kind of eloquent on the air, aren't mm. I? Uh, so we've talked about the monarch. We've mm-hmm. talked about the political situation mm-hmm. here. We've talked about college, where you'd rather live. Uh, so now you head to Miami tonight basically to see Katie. That's his trip, right? Katie, but my other friends too, like Shay and Alex yeah. and Colby and other people. You're never going to go see Rick Macy. You became this great tennis player. Is that gone? Are you, are you, you have any desire to ever play tennis or is that gone? That's, if it's gone, it's okay. No, I, I love playing tennis, but yeah. I... At some point, it's it's between completely devoting yourself to your sport and then completely devoting yourself to your academics. I don't think yeah. it's possible to pay your all. Well, somebody into said to me, "Does Ava still play tennis?" And I said, "No, for no, fun, she, for no, fun." I played with Becky and her no, parents. Now she plays Starbucks. No, I just play <laughs> recreationally. Are you so good? You kicked my ass the last couple of times. I can still, I can still play, can but you, I definitely don't yeah. play to the same level that right. I did when I was practicing right. all the time. I got gotcha. you. So when you get back from Miami mm. next week, we're going to go see Rara upstate. Yes, I'm very excited to see her. You miss your grandmother. She I loves do. you so much. I miss her a lot. And I then, miss I miss Aunt Sherry, too. Of course. And Uncle Albert. And uh, I miss uh, no, the don't, don't leave out. Do not leave out names. They're my family. I don't want to deal with it. No, okay? I'm not. I'm just saying. And you, I miss, you mentioned I one miss, sister. I've got three. Oh, Aunt Lizzie. They're all your aunts. Uh, it's aunt, got, by the way. I know no, it's aunt. Aunt, no, it's, aunt it's, is the bug. It, you're from aunt, Brooklyn. Aunt is the bug, <laughs> and fine. aunt is the family member. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, and to wrap uh, wrap up this conversation, Mommy has said to me, when you get back from Miami, mm-hmm. this uh, tour that you're on, this Ava tour, Ava which tour. is, yeah, South Carolina, Miami, England, uh, that you're going to be home now the rest mm-hmm. of the summer with us. Yeah. She said that. I don't believe that. So when am I going to get the word that you're going to, I don't know, Spain or Italy or some, no. someplace? No, I'm actually staying home um, because this is one, going to be my last summer until 2028 fully home. Why is that? Because I have to get a a job in, in, in London, in in the U.K. to yeah. to to Oh, next summer. Yeah. I got it. Okay. Um, and how proud of you, your brother, that he won the basketball game last year? I'm very proud. I've yeah. Actually, I was so excited to go and watching him play made me so happy. Yeah. And I hope he's proud, too. You guys are very cute together. Well, I love you. I'm going to miss you. We'll have a great trip to Miami. Send my best to the Bruno family. You were great this morning. This is your best one yet. Your best one yet. 
and we'll do this again when you get back. How does that sound? Yes, sounds good. That's my uh, big Goodbye, girl, Goodbye, citizens. <laughs> well done, Ava. That's uh, every time you're on, I, I start to cry. Uh, that's my big girl, Ava. We'll come back and wrap things up. Right after this. accident. Trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.